1: And do we have a boatload of content today? And, as advertised, Bruce Arians will join us in hour number three at 5.30 Eastern Time. And we will talk to the former Super Bowl champion coach. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Bruce has four rings, three as an assistant in Pittsburgh, and of course, winning the Super Bowl as Tom Brady's head coach with the Buccaneers. I'll tell you something. Our guys do such a great job at Jacob Sports. And see, what a lot of people don't understand, Tone, I I say this to everyone. They do a great job teasing a lot of people because what it does, it makes you have to go back and watch the content of what we said during the show. So these guys could post something, and at the end of the day, you actually have to go back and watch the show for you to get full context of what these clips are or postings are. DeAndre Hopkins, we, we, we had a conversation with that yesterday. And where are you getting the money from? You have to go back and listen to the show. Because what we said yesterday, things have to line up for that to actually happen, for the Eagles to get a chance to bring him aboard in Philly. What's the number one thing? He has to be cut. He has to be cut. If he's not cut, then again, like I said yesterday, though, not a a team in the NFL is going to sign a guy, I kept the sheet, who's going to make $20 million, and there's a $30 million cap hit this year. Nobody in their right mind, especially now, May 24th, what team has that kind of cap space to do something like that? And for the record, I said this yesterday also the Cardinals can't even afford that. And it really doesn't make sense. Why would you have a guy on the team so that Colt McCoy can throw meaningless passes to? Think about this, guys. Why would you have Colt McCoy throw meaningless passes to a guy making $20 million? Personally, I think there's a good chance the Cardinals may have the worst record in the NFL this year. Why would you have any of that? So I do believe June 1, they're going to cut him. And when they cut him, all this, except for the cap hits against the Cardinals, is going to be intact, which means he could sign anywhere he wants. He could sign in Philly. See, DeAndre Hopkins is going to be able to call his own shot. Now, what he's probably going to do, he's probably going to do this. Who can pay me the most and give me the best chance to win a Super Bowl? You think the Baltimore Ravens, let me say this to you. Do you really believe that the Baltimore Ravens in the AFC, if DeAndre Hopkins signs in Baltimore, you really think that team gives him the best chance to win a Super Bowl? I don't know it it, it 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 it'd be a great duo but are you sure odell beckham is gonna be healthy kansas city kansas city's not gonna overpay the wide rec- isn't that crazy kc's not gonna overpay the wide receiver position you know it's cr- think about this for instance hey tone everyone Think about this. So the Eagles downplay the running back position and the Chiefs downplay the wide receiver position. Why? KC has the quarterback. They don't really need a superstar wide out. They proved it. They could beat you with Juju Smith-Schuster. Guys like that. They don't need a star A.J. Brown like Jalen does. They de-emphasized the wide receiver position. So would Kansas City probably offer him, this is what we're going to offer, or they would have kept Hill? They would have kept Hill. So you move on to where, Buffalo? Cincinnati's not going to sign him. They got to worry about putting a structured deal together for Joe Burrow and they've got quality guys at the well they might want to have a third guy their tight end's not great i don't know see the, the re i'm bringing up a few players names here that could change a team's fortunes there's a few players out there that could change a team's fortunes and i'm talking about hopkins right now i'm going to get to another guy here in a minute buffalo so, Diggs doesn't show up to OTAs. Can I tell you why? Can I tell you why? You guys know that I have a little birdie in Buffalo, right? I have it. It's called the Dorsey Bird. <laughs> it's called the Dorsey Bird. Do you know why Stefan Diggs didn't show up to training camp or OTAs today? Do you know why? Yesterday it was actually. You guys know why? Diggs is saying to the people in management, it just can't be Josh Allen and myself. Go get Hopkins. Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs are making a pitch to bring DeAndre Hopkins to Orchard Park. (laughs) That'd be formidable. Put you even closer to the Super Bowl. Dallas give you a chance? I don't know. A lot of pressure on Dak Prescott this year. Or does it the team that gives you the closest seat at the Sun? Closest to the Super Bowl. Isn't it the Eagles? What team in the NFL puts you the closest... To the Lombardi Trophy. Kansas City? Philly? Any other team? Jets. Okay, the Jets. (laughs) You're going to have to show me before I sit there. I don't give a shit if you bring Joe Namath out of retirement. With the Jets, I got to see it (laughs) before I'm going to speak it. The Jets, not happening. You will never hear Big Sills talk really great about the Jets until I see it, because I just don't believe it. To me, they're the football version of the of the Mets. <laughs> okay, you know what that means? Hey, Tone, you never. Maybe you've never heard this, and maybe some of you out there have never heard this. You know who Mets fans are, right? In April, they have their Mets hats on. In October, they turned their hat inside out and it's a Yankee lid. <laughs> that, that's who Met fan is. Okay? Come October, they turn that hat inside out and they're a Yankee fan. <laughs> okay? that That's who Met fan is. He'll always be that. He'll be a Yankee fan at heart. Oh, I got a brood to catch the Yankees. Okay, guy. Boy, I'll tell you, man, if I'm DeAndre Hopkins, Go catch 65, 70 footballs, get myself healthy again. I'll be completely healthy next year, win myself a ring. I win a Super Bowl. I put that on my resume, and then I go into the free agent market for one last big two year deal. Why not? Get a two year deal at 15 million. You could bring yourself 30 million. Look at what the Raiders offered up Antonio Brown. He's as good as Antonio Brown was. DeAndre Hopkins is as good as Antonio Brown. He's up pace for 120 catches last year. It's not like that guy sucked. So, again, some of you didn't listen. He has to be cut. And I do think he's going to be cut. And personally, I don't think there's a team in the NFL that would make a trade for those numbers. Not on May 24th. That's not happening. Nobody's doing that. All right. See everybody backtracking now on Matt Ariza. Hey, um, not that I'm Nostradamus, but I told you an NFL team is going to sign this guy. So today the New York Jets gave him a workout and are talking with him. I'll be shocked if they let him out of the building. If the Jets sign that guy, he's a game-changing football player. This guy averaged 51 yards a punt in college. 51 yards a punt. Do you understand? He changes the game every time he kicks the football. And he's been vindicated. People in Philly now are going, This guy needs an opportunity now. Yeah, these same guys that were the ones saying that he'll never get a chance until everything is resolved. Well, the Jets worked him out today. Can you imagine them signing Matt Ariza, the Eagles? And you would have that weapon in your punt game. Along with the kicker, you would maybe have the best kickers in the league. How does that not make sense? You improve your punt team. Field position. You ever hear of it? Why wouldn't you sign that guy? I wouldn't waste a second. I'd bring him in, and I would so- work him out, talk with him, do my due diligence still, because you have to, because you never know in cases like this sometimes. And I wouldn't, I, I, I'd i give it a, you might not want to wait too long. This guy is going, do you understand his market value by tomorrow afternoon, is going to be through the roof because of what the Jets did. You understand, you're going to, 20 teams will be calling his agent for a conversation on a workout. He's a game, 51, I did you hear what I said? 51 yards a punt is what this guy does. He averaged that. maybe did you not watch him when he was with Buffalo for those couple weeks? Dude, I would be stunned if the jets let him out of the building today without a contract offer. And because of what's happened with him, he may just take it because he's the uncertainty that's still out there around the league. I think if he walks out of that building, he'll have 20 teams lined up tomorrow. Okay, man, holy cow, incredible news when it comes to Matt Arisa. Good for him. He'll get a chance at getting his NFL career back on the rails again after being wrongfully accused. Way to go, man. District Attorney, I've talked to those folks, and they're like, you know, really an awful case okay that's in the rear view now let's look through the front window here you know where i could see that guy you watch that guy land in the nfc east with some team you watch you watch him land in the nfc east and i'm hoping it's the eagles all right So I'm going to say something here today, and I have been saying this to you. And, hey, for all of you out there, I have great respect for John McMullen. He thought I was nuts when I said Jonathan Gannon was cutting deals with Arizona while he was still the defensive coordinator. And John's point was this. You don't think that goes on? I do. But during the Super Bowl week and not in the off week, But not only in the off week, but during the Super Bowl week, you're cutting deals? So Howie Roseman was on with Mike Florio, and it looks like they have a great relationship. And Mike kept pushing the gas pedal down on Howie, and Howie kept giving him the written statement from the organization and from the league. What does that tell you when someone does that? Okay? It was more serious than what it's been reported. That's how I took it, and that's how Mike Florio took it. And I agree. How we had that, how he had that statement memorized, almost verbatim. Almost verbatim. Did he not? And he repeated it like a good general manager twice. Mike kept pushing him. And Mike actually said what I said. You know, you answering it like that makes everyone know that this was more serious than what's been reported. And, I mean, and and and, and then Howie started kind of like peeling the onion back a little, okay? Don't just say he's never seen Howie Roseman so defensive in his life. Because you know why? Howie's got to maintain... The statement that the organization in the league wanted out there, personally, Jonathan Gannon cost you a Super Bowl. I believe that Jonathan Gannon was not focused on putting the best game plan. I'm sorry, John. I'm sorry, people who don't believe this. I don't know how you cannot take Howie Roseman being so pissed off and defensive. The organization having prepared statements that everyone memorized, not to think that that wasn't an absolute ass with the Eagles and how pissed off they were. And they did it the night of the draft. You don't think that that was a distraction, that he was going behind the Philadelphia Eagles' backs during the preparation for the Super Bowl. Let's just say this. How did that defense look in the second half of that game? Prepared? Confused? Pick one. You tell me how you think that thing played out. By the way, I got great respect for John. John's got an opinion, so do I. This is what we do for a living, so it's all good. I have great respect for him. But he he thought I was crazy. I'm with Mike Florio. And by the way, Howie Roseman's behavior, you could tell he's perturbed. And if Howie's perturbed, can you imagine what the owner must feel like? So, you know, they give you a win. And 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 to John's point, yes, I think this shit goes on. What they do is they use their agents as the mouthpiece. So, like, when someone asked Jonathan Gannon if anybody had contacted him from Arizona, he could always go like this. No. But, see, the media people never asked the right question. Hey, did the Arizona Cardinals reach out to you or your representatives? They never ask that because you know why? You're kind of half doing your job and you don't want to lose access. So you don't ask the full question. You see, there's a game in this thing. Just to keep your key fob, what you do is you make sure you ask half the question, especially in situations like that. Dude, I've been around this thing too long. I know how it works. You never hear media follow-up going with anybody talk to your agent. Because then you corner the guy and then you basically, the guy has to plead the fifth if there is some truth to it. Dude. You tell me, man. So, I'm sorry. Here's Here's my official statement on Jonathan Gannon and what I heard with Howie Roseman and Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk yesterday. Jonathan Gannon in my opinion, was not as prepared as he should have been for the Super Bowl, and it played into the chaotic scenes that we saw in the second half with DBs running into one another and not being prepared and in position. As many of the players have now said, we're going to be a little bit more versatile, and we're going to be a little bit more prepared. C.J. Gardner-Johnson maybe wasn't wrong when he said, hey, maybe we'll be put in a better position to succeed. How do you not think that? Did you, all you have to do is watch Howie and how he handled them. Dude, this guy had a prepared statement and he was, he memorized it to the word. You know what that tells me? All this was prepared and everybody had their ducks in row. The night of the draft, when they came out and told everybody what happened, And you know what the league did? They underplayed it. Jonathan Gannon may have had a contract signed when he was unofficially may have had a contract signed with the Cardinals in that Super Bowl. How funny is it that the game was played in Phoenix? You don't think those guys were meeting while he was putting the game plan together against the Kansas City Chiefs? Dude, uh, no way. If you're trying to tell me you think Jonathan Gannon is sitting, he, he he didn't have his guys prepared, and he was 100%. Howie doesn't believe he was. Go watch the interview. There, hey, Tone, am I right? When you watch that interview, there's not a chance in hell Howie Roseman believes that Jonathan Gannon was 100% prepared for that game. No way. Hey, and by the way, he did the politically correct thing. Wanna thank JG for his contributions. And then after that, it was all in. <laughs> it was all in. Okay? Holy cow. Man. Jonathan Gannon sold you out, Philly. that was dating another chick during the Super Bowl. How he usually never has to repeat himself like that. He stuck to his script like I've never seen. Oh, it was a script. Jonathan Gannon sold the Philadelphia Eagles and its fan base out. Holy cow. Uh, hey, hey, tell me I'm the... Not- Tell me I'm lying. Okay. Dude, that is some shit. This guy completely sold you out, man. Man. Crazy. All right, we're gonna move off that cuz I watched that interview yesterday. And I was like this. I I said to myself, I go. Okay, they sold – hey, this guy sold the Eagles out. Gannon will be unemployed and on the unemployment line by year three. Year three? I think that guy's going to look like that Boston coach where players are going to be putting the main headsets on, calling plays in year one. (laughs) I don't know. Hey, Boston showed up last night where Jason Tatum did. Okay, great. Hey, just in the nick of time, right, Jason Tatum. Anyway, all, all I'm saying is, is that Jonathan Gannon, you're giving him three years, but then again, it's Arizona. How many coaches can they keep paying that aren't in the building, right? I mean, I mean, I mean, Cliff Kingsbury, this guy's this guy's making like $10 million a year for the next some odd years. I think he got an assistant coaching job somewhere, and he's getting paid by Arizona. I mean, how many how many former coaches can you pay? Dude, that guy. <laughs> wow. Hey, I have no trust for that. I have no trust in that guy now. And you, what me and Seth thought about him, you, you now know. This guy's not a trustworthy guy. He'd sell the players out in two seconds. Sell the players out in two seconds. Remember the excuses? Well, we just don't have the personnel here to run the kind of defense I want. Jesus, dude, you were in the top 10. Two years in a row, you were in Philly. One of the years, you were second. Okay. (laughs) That's some story, man. I've never seen Howie Roseman like that, and I've only been covering him for a little bit here. All right. I want to throw – let's get into the topics here. We got a ton of stuff here, man. Biggest games of the year I want to take a look at. Um. Five most interesting quarterbacks to watch this year. I got five Philadelphia Eagle players that I think are going to have breakout years. I want to take a look at that Thursday night schedule. Also, Bruce Arians, like I said, in hour number three at 530 Eastern. Okay. Okay. How many people believe in here that the Eagles have upgraded the running back position? How many people believe they've upgraded it? Hmm. I just thought of it. Have they upgraded in talent? Hmm. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, but have they upgraded the position kind of and versatility and the room? Okay. How many people believe that you've got a better running back room this year than you did a year ago? Everyone thinks that because they did. Michael goes, no. Jubba goes, yes, there's to the talent question, but there's a question mark on availability. Robert goes, I do. Dirty D, I do. Yes, and talent. Think Sanders played so well due to a contract year. Look at his first three years compared to, twenty two and twenty three. No, no, I got. It. I, I think you got something there. Hey, and by the way, I'm not paying seven million dollars to a one year season. I'm. I'm not. If I'm critical of Jalen Hurts only having one year in, I'm totally critical of that guy playing the way he did too, especially behind that offensive line. Okay. Remember something though. So when you say that about Miles Sanders, and saying that he was in a contract year. So was Jalen, really. So was Jalen Hurts. So apply that thinking process if you're going to. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe you can change that up differently. Maybe maybe you can. Because the kid's a different kid. I agree with that. Okay? I don't really think if it's a contract year. Here, here, here's the difference between Miles Sanders and Jalen Hurts. I don't really think Jalen Hurts gives a shit if it's a contract year whereas Miles Sanders would. Okay, that's fair. I think you're right th- to think that. Okay? Love Swift, but Penny is so injury-prone. Um. I want to throw these numbers at you here. This is your running back room. With the two focal players that they've picked up? Rashad Penny and DeAndre Swift. In 88 NFL games that they could have competed in, the both of them played in 48 of them with 27 starts in 88 potential games. You think you've upgraded? Say it again to you. In 88 potential NFL games that these two men could have played in. They only played in 48 of them. Now this is combined with 27 starts between the two of them. You think that's an upgrade? Do you have enough faith in that running back room now? Wow. I don't know. That's a really big risk they're taking, especially with a quarterback. You don't want to get killed back there running the ball, and you're trying to bring his numbers down. Shit, there's with these numbers and trends, there's a good chance both of them may not finish the year. Where's that put hurts? Remember that comment I asked you. You think he plays 17 games? Not with those numbers. Seals the averages say. That's why I just said. Maybe talent wise, Penny's a better player than Miles Sanders. That's irrelevant. Maybe DeAndre Swift's a better player than Miles Sanders. That's actually irrelevant, too. Facts are they're not on the field, but half the games that they're eligible to play in. That's not an upgrade. That's cheap. That's going cheap. And hoping that one of these guys plays. Personally, now that I look at the DeAndre Hopkins move, I look at it like this. Well, we signed the lesser of two evils here in this, and maybe one of these guys will be healthy by the end of the year. So you're kind of a game plan. Anytime you have hope in a game plan, that's not a game plan. Wishful thinking is not a game plan. That the, that's why some of you guys they you go like this. Neither was Miles till last year. Well, Fly, you signed two, to, so you signed two Miles Sanders. You're not looking at it correctly. You didn't upgrade the position. You downgraded the position, and you you know you know what covers it. It's true, and I will relent to this. Do I think Rashad Penny, when healthy, is a better player than Miles Sanders? Or I should say, is he a better talent? Yeah. Do I think DeAndre Swift is more versatile and gives your team and your offense more ability to do screen passes, run in between the tackles? He's a Le'Veon Bell type. Yes. That's irrelevant, though, because these numbers don't dictate that they'll be out there playing in a 17-game schedule. That's not an upgrade, guys. And by the way, numbers like this don't lie. This is who you are. This is who you are. One guy's played five years in Seattle, and he's got 11 starts. The other guy, I think he's got 16 starts. I mean, this is not something that you want to hang your hat on, these numbers. 88 potential NFL football games and they've only been eligible to play in 48 of them. This is combined, like I said. And the two of them combined have 27 starts. You think you really upgraded the position? Jesus, man, I don't know. I think you are gambling more now than I thought before because you know why? It's true. And I would say what Tone and some of you other guys have said, it's true, Penny, six yards of carry, all but, dude, if that guy's not out there and he's in the tub, he's no – he has no impact on your team if he only plays seven, eight games. He has no impact. You can't build a game plan. Here, I guess that's where I'm going. You can't build an offensive strategy game plan around running backs that you're not sure are even going to be healthy enough to get through half the, half the season. Half the season. Okay. So JB goes, Penny misses major time. Swift misses same amount of time as Sanders. How did that help your position then? You're, you're, you guys are answering my, I guess, topic here. You can't feel comfortable in this. You Here, and, and you know what? Can, why is this important that I'm bringing this up with the running back position? Why, why is this important? See, it, I don't think that this stat is that important in Kansas City. Maybe even in Cincinnati. Yeah. Why is this important? Okay? It's because we're trying to get carries away from Jalen. And we're trying to have less impact hits on Hurts is what we're trying to do here in an RPO. You're trying to create less opportunities for injury. Guy could get hurt in the pocket, out of... But I don't need my guy in 17 carries going into a Chicago Bears meaningless game and getting his shoulder snapped and potentially ruining my season. I don't need that. I'm trying to avoid that. Instead, you're bringing guys in who are made of paper mache. Now that you really look at it, you know what they did? They painted up two lemons. And I love Swift. That Detroit game, but really, if you peel the onion back, like I said, it's not that they're not good. Tone, that's landing right, right? It's not that I'm saying they're not good. They're just not there. That's all I'm saying. I'm, I'm not telling you that I don't think these look. If Rashad Penny played 17 ball games, he'd probably be a 1,300 yard back and 10 touchdown guy, too. But he's never done it in his entire five years in the league, and he was a first rounder. Swift has hurt, okay, as much as Sanders? Sure. He's only got eight starts in three years. I'm just saying, man, availability has to be part of the evaluation when you're looking at positions in your football team. Bateman, yeah, Derrick Henry, 28 carries a game. There's very few of those horses. Just like the horses you see go in the stakes races, Preakness, Belmont, and Kentucky Derby. There's very few of them horses on the planet that can contend for a triple crown. There's very few horses like Derrick Henry and Adrian Peterson and Dalvin Cook for that. That's why I keep saying to you guys, dude, the RPO system. Now, again, would you here, would you rather have Dalvin Cook on the team? That's a great question. Would you rather have Dalvin Cook on the team? I think he's going to be a cap casualty. Would you rather have Dalvin Cook on the team after June 1 or would you rather have DeAndre Hopkins? It's a tough one because Hopkins changes the game too. Hopkins changes the game, but Cook helps my quarterback stay upright. Cook helps your quarterback stay upright, and that's the number. Every single thing that the Philadelphia Eagle front office does moving forward has to all be Something that ties into your quarterback. Everything they do from now on has to be tied into that guy. Hopkins has a lot more left. I think Galvin Cook has a lot more left. I think they're both under 30. I think Dalvin Cook's got to be 28. Um, No, Um, what's his name? Hopkins will be 31 June 6th in a couple weeks. He'll be 31. I think Cook's 28. If I'm not mistaken, has he been in the league seven years? He might be 26. I think, I, I, because I, I remember him at Florida State. He, he, he might, he might be like 26, 27, something like that. I don't believe he's 30. Okay. I don't, I don't believe he's 30. But that running back room that you, that you have, man, it, you're speaking on realities and facts, especially when it comes to Penny. There's no debate, but with Swift, I kind of don't have the same concerns as I would with Penny. Swift misses an average of two to three games per season. Penny lives on a milk cart, and the Eagle system may keep these guys out of the nurse's office. Oh, well, Detroit. Detroit had the third-best offensive line in the NFL last year. Um... Penny, that offensive line had to be retooled. And by the way, like I said too, they were counting on Rashad Penny to be Marshawn Lynch, and it never panned out. That football team in Seattle was built, and that thing moved because of Marshawn Lynch, not because of Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson was a benefactor of what was going on when they ran the ball the way they did. Once they lost Lynch and the ability to be able to be what was the key in Seattle? And that has to be a little bit – do you know what the number one thing that – what do you guys think that the number one thing with that Philadelphia offense was last year? What do you think the most important thing that they did last year in that offense? What was the most important thing that Jalen Hurts and that offense did last year? That's why I'm bringing this running back room up here. What, what's the number one thing that they did last year that made that offense formidable? You guys pound the ball, run. Okay. That's, that's, that's the essence of it. Run, they had 2,500 yards rushing not break the quarterback, short yardage plays, true. Let me give you what they did last year in that offense. That was the key essential point on why that team did so well. What was the number one thing they did? They won first down every damn play. How many times did you not see the Eagles in third and long? And when they did, Hertz broke containment, got outside. I'd never seen a guy in my life when those situations did pop up, I've never seen a quarterback get more first downs on third and long than that guy last year. I've never seen that. I mean, every get this when the Eagles weren't third and long, I went to me. I think that's a deficiency for the defense. I think that was the deficiency is trying to defend that guy in open space like that. Cause he was brilliant i'll tell you this he's not the open space runner lamar jackson is but man he knows where the sticks are he does lamar jackson's electric this guy's smart he you know you know what i made this comment to you a year ago almost to the date and i'm gonna kind of retract it he can be russell wilson His ceiling is Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's going to the Hall of Fame. Okay? Wilson's going to the Hall of Fame. Would we not? Hey, before I say that, we agree Russell Wilson's better than Donovan McNabb. See, Donovan McNabb is kind of like the guy at the front door of the Hall of Fame. You know? He's not quite going to get in. He's the guy still waiting. He's the guy at the front door. Right? I mean, McNabb is the guy, I mean, he's not getting in, but you you could make an argument. You could make an argument that that Russell Wilson is clearly going to be a Hall of Famer. McNabb's not. And you, I see him trending now, The more you think about it, he's smart in open space like Wilson was early in his career. His accuracy got better. I think Russell was a better thrower of the football early on, but that gap's closing. I think there's better talent. Now, again, one of the things that I thought hampered as he got a little older in his career was the team started falling apart around him because they did. John Schneider didn't do the same job that Howie Roseman did around Russell Wilson, and the team kind of disintegrated around him. They never really replaced the running game. After Lynch, they had one wide receiver and Metcalf. That's kind of coming late when Russell was still there. So they they really didn't have the timing of putting really great players like they have right now around Geno. There's better players right now around Geno than there were when Wilson was there the last five years. Would we not agree with that? So again, I mean, I think the timing never just really lined up after his first couple of years in Seattle, when they had all those great players on defense and also on the offensive side, center started going. He went to New Orleans. Then they started losing players on the defensive side. Then they jettisoned Percy Harvin. Then they started jettisoning other guys off that team. Uh, they got rid of Jimmy Graham. They got rid of a bunch of guys. And it started falling apart for Wilson, and he started seeing numbers start to go the other way. So they're not doing that in. Philadelphia. He 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 is trending, my opinion, in the Russell Wilson way. I, I didn't think that was possible. If you were to ask me a year ago this time, you think if you see um Jalen Hurts today, do you see Russell Wilson? Yeah. It's the beginning of it. Yeah. Now again, he's got to be more consistent with it. But what hurt Russell Wilson in Seattle? Lack of running game. Like a guy's getting hurt. Inconsistent play, especially in the second half of seasons. Dude, guys missing 48 to 88 games is not going to help your room. And, and I, I will say this, what Tone said about Swift. I feel better about Swift and Penny for sure. Penny, dude, it's a damn shame too, Rashad Penny. I saw him at San Diego State. And there's no question. I thought he was going to be a superstar in the NFL He was by far a better running back than Donnell Pumphrey. And I actually covered those teams. I went to games. I know Rashad Penny. Voted for him for the All-American teams. I thought he was electric. And when he got up there, he could never win the starting job because he was always in the tub. And, and, And Seattle traded up for him. Seattle didn't give up on Rashad Penny because he sucked. They gave up on him because he was never healthy. That's the facts. Okay? Compare Dan Fouts to McNabb. Different era. Can't do it. Dude, Donovan McNabb will never get to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You know why? His pettiness. He wasn't a big game player. When I think of Donovan McNabb, I don't see big games. He's not a big game guy. Shitty teammate. What kind of quarterback bitches about your wide receiver being the first player ever named as a special teams guy and a wide receiver to the Pro Bowl and your own quarterback on your own team takes a shit on him? Why? What's the point of that? Because you wanted all the publicity in Philly? Talk about petty. Shit, if that was Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts would have been putting that guy on a float and sending him around Broad Street. Look at what this guy did. This is great. That's the difference between leadership and non-leadership. One guy's petty. Donovan McNabb's a horrible leader. He's a horrible leader. And he dealt with a crybaby. And by the way, don't ever blame the Terrell Owens scenario on Terrell Owens. Blame it on your quarterback. It's your quarterback's responsibility like it was for Carson Wentz. If there was any kind of shit being said in the locker room, it's a quarterback's responsibility to go in there and make sure everyone's on the same page, just like Steph Curry does in Golden State or Dwayne Wade did in Miami. It's your responsibility. You make the most money. You're the leader of the team. Don't blame Owens because your quarterback was also crying. That was my true feeling about that whole situation. Wrong guy you guys blamed. It it wasn't Owens. It was your crybaby quarterback. McNabb wasn't the team leader, it was Dawkins. That's why I'll never get to the Hall of Fame. Hoss, you don't have to have the C on your sweater or on your jersey to be a leader. McNabb... Was his own worst enemy. He was. I'll tell you this. You know what Carson, you know Carson Wentz. He shit the bed. You know what McNabb was? McNabb was Carson Wentz's personality, but he was just better. That's who McNabb is. Anytime I hear people blaming other players for unraveling of locker rooms, that's media bullshit. They'll pick a wide receiver. Well, Owens was a cancer. Who who was Owens a cancer to? Let me guess. Tim Rattay, Jeff Garcia, who sucked too. I mean, who were the quarterbacks that he played with? Quincy Carter? Tony Romo and McNabb were the best quarterbacks he ever played with. Probably Young, too. I think early in his career, they may have had Young in the building in San Francisco. And by the way, Owens is in Canton. That's the one thing he'll always have over that dude. Hey, you know what? You think I unraveled your locker room? I'm in Canton. And you sit around the next 25 years blaming me for your failures. That's what he did when he played. <laughs> okay. You know, Hollywood, I, you know, I, I, I got that. I, I, I know that story too. Terrell Owens is your greatest? No, well, wait. The 04 Owens year, or last year's AJ year, Owens had 14 touchdowns. He had 14 touchdowns in that Super Bowl year. Was it 04? Was it 04 that T.O. did that? I think it was 12... I think it was like 1200 yards 14 touchdowns something like 14 games then he came back on the broken leg right in the Super Bowl I think he had 14 catches in that game too or 12 catches 144 some crazy number I remember it was nuts like that he had some sort of psychotic game on a broken wheel I mean he was he was just stupid great in that Super Bowl 14 games, 1,200 yards, and 14 TDs. What year would you rather have? 77 catches, too, in 14 games? He'd have had the same amount of catches that A.J. had this year. Who had a better year, you think? Owens? 2004, the sit-ups outside on the driveway. God bless Drew Rosenhaus. Who cares about the sit-ups? Get this. Tom Brady worked with a murderer and a psycho in Antonio Brown. If Tom Brady can work with a murderer and a psycho in Antonio Brown, Donovan McNabb should be able to deal with Terrell Owens. Think of that. How easy? There's not a chance in hell McNabb could have handled those two guys. He's not the leader you need in your locker room. And he knew that the whole time. You know what you loved about Mahomes compared to McNabb? When when, Tyre- when Tyree Hill was throwing shade and saying how more accurate he was than Mahomes, you never heard Mahomes say anything. All you heard was Mahomes go like this. Hey, I'm sure he's going to have a big year, which he did. is a great player, and I wish those guys nothing but the best. I hope they have a great year. And you're like this, way to go, kid. McNabb's, if that's McNabb, that ain't coming out like that. That's not coming out like that. I never really liked the guy. By the way, I never thought the guy had leadership qualities. I never thought the guy was going to win a Super Bowl. He's a fabulous player. Never thought Donovan McNabb would ever lead the Eagles to a Super Bowl. This kid you have now is kind of the entire package of all the quarterbacks you've had since 2000. McNabb, Vic, Wentz. This guy just has a brain. This guy just has a leadership. And you know what else? His journey's better. All those guys I mentioned were first-round picks. This guy's journey's a little different. Fired. Had to go prove himself, really, in two different places, three different places, okay? Grew up with a dad coach, okay? Neil goes, five is a terrible person. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about his football resume. I don't know Donovan McNabb from a can of paint. This ain't personal. This is just about his football, what his resume speaks to me. It's not personal. I don't know him. He may be a great human being. Honestly, I don't know him, and it's not personal. Maybe I should have underscored that. I'm talking about the way he conducted himself, the way he was with teammates, how he played in games, how he looked when he was out there leading your Philadelphia Eagle team. That's what I'm talking about. I don't know anything about him being this or that. Nor do I care because I'm not looking to be friends with him. I just looked at that's my observation of him. Like when you when you see him, what other quarterback would you compare? I mean, he's probably a bigger mouth Jay Cutler, some shit like that. Another shitty teammate. Okay. Again, no total rewrite. That's the problem. McNabb said nothing. Never so Mahomes' story is just false. Um, what do you mean? McNabb never said anything. McNabb said that story. Deshaun Jackson even said it. Go to Twitter and he said it on a podcast. At the Pro Bowl, he took a shit on him for being the first player named to the Pro Bowl as a special teams guy and a wide receiver. If that was if that was Jalen Hurts. He would have been absolutely celebrating that. So would Mahomes. McNabb shit on Jackson at the Pro Bowl. That's a fact. Jackson said it. Come on, man. Cover for that dude. Dude, don't cover for people coming second like that and make excuses for it. Hurts Hertz took full accountability for his play, and I'm like, "Wait, you don't have to do that." It was your, it was your, it was your uh, DC who wasn't prepared in the second half for what Andy Reid was going to throw at him because you're worried about getting a gig in Arizona with the Cardinals. I mean, so in, the, I mean, dude, don't change the narrative. All you have to do is listen. Hey, and this ain't an opinion. Just listen to Howie. Or listen to Deshaun Jackson. What do you think? That's my opinion? My opinion of McNabb I gave you. But Jackson said that. Deshaun Jackson is the greatest deep threat the team's ever had and will be. Devontae Smith's not the deep threat that that guy will ever be. Now, he has a chance to be a better wide receiver than Jackson. He does. He has a better chance because his route running is spectacular. I wouldn't put the Jackson in a category of being great route runners. <laughs> um, that guy beats you with that blazing speed. And I mean, that guy had not just a fifth gear. That guy had a 10th gear. You know, those bikes that you, you have, when you go on tour de France, that's what that guy had. I mean, you're in a tricycle. He's on one of them bikes. Okay. Sean Jackson was a great football player, and I'm glad he's going to retire a Philadelphia Eagle. It was McNabb that was the thorn in the side of the team. Of course it was. Never embraced the entire locker room. He he was a Wentz, I told you. He was just better. I mean, he, he was just better. Okay, Seals McNabb is just holding a grudge from the Eagles-Washington game where Vic and Jackson destroyed McNabb. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so it is important circle back to close this topic up here. Look, man, here's what here, here here's here's to put a bow on this topic here. Do the Eagles have enough trust? Let me ask you that before I close it up. You have enough trust in this running back group to protect Hurts? Tone, I'll start with you. Do the Eagles have enough trust in this running back group to protect Jalen Hurts in 2023? Do you have enough trust in it? 88 potential games. They only played in 48 of them, Swift and Penny, with 27 starts. And I agree with what Tone said. I'm less worried about Swift, but... Those are the two dudes you brought in. You have enough trust. Look at, look at, look at, look at Tone. I want to trust it. <laughs> That's the best answer you can have. Jan goes, so J.M. thinks I'm dumping on somebody for bringing up a point. That's dumping on someone for bringing up a point? that these guys had 88 potential NFL games and played in only 48 of them with 27 starts, you think that's dumping? Or do you think that's more saying that I want to make sure that Jalen Hurts is protected? If you think that dumping on Jalen Hurts or dumping on this running back group and not trusting them because I think they're going to get that quarterback killed if they're not healthy is dumping on somebody. I'm looking out for your quarterback. You you can have all the wishful thinking you want but it doesn't it doesn't help you when you have numbers like this and trends here that's who these guys are you guys are right in many ways with this backfield set you know what it is are they more talented yes they're less reliable they're less reliable Yeah, but you didn't sign two running backs that had missed half their games. Okay. 48 potential NFL games. They missed 48 of them. 88 potential NFL games. And if these guys are so great, why only 27 starts? Hey, why don't you ask yourself this question? Potentially played in 88 NFL games. These two dudes combined, I think one's been in the league three years, and the other guy's been in the league five years. You only got twenty-seven starts between the two of them. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I I actually don't think that number's really a good, a good sign that these guys, you know, that they're counted on. Seattle and Detroit didn't count on these guys. K one, thank you. Health is everything. Health is. Hey, potential is the most overrated word used in professional sports because it means you haven't done it yet. Or your it means this. What did Tone say? I want to trust it. <laughs> hey, that's, from now on. Watch this. I want to trust it. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I, I can't. Hey, I, I can't even. I can't even believe that. Hey, me too. What's his tone. Me too. I, w- I want to trust it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Five most intriguing quarterbacks to watch this year. I circled about one, two, three, four, five, six big games this season that I want to see. Breakout Eagles. That Thursday night schedule, I want to take a look at it. I got another topic also. And I want to ask you, Something on the Eagles' schedule this year. We'll get to that. Don't forget, Bruce Arians will join us in hour number three at 5.30. Hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. football show. I got to do this, man. I hate to have to do this to you, Niner guys. Uh, looks like Brock Purdy might be ready for the first week of the season for the Niners. Trey Lance says, all I ever wanted to do was compete for the job. <laughs> I mean... Holy shit. It's like a daycare center in San Francisco. You got the coaches crying. Dumbo Samuel moaning. I can't believe we played with 10 games. It wasn't fair. It was like getting a yellow card. I couldn't believe it. We played with 10 players. Damn, the coach, the players, the purdy, and now you got a crying trade. We can't, can't, all they wanted to do was just compete. I wanted to just compete. It's okay, son. No, I'm not getting the proper chance. You mean you think you should be given it? That's what you think. That's what those comments mean. I'm getting beat out by a guy who was the last player taken, the 259th player taken in the draft. Do you know how high I was? Dude, the 49ers were high when they drafted you. Where we gonna be here. I mean, Trey Lance and that entire organization moans, you guys got to grow up a little bit and grow a pair of Stundines. Holy shit, dude. I mean, <laughs> you better grow a pair. Eagles are going to kick your ass from Lincoln Financial and I-95 all the way back on the 10. They're going to take you to the woodshed. You keep moaning and bitching and crying like that. Your coach moaning, your organization moaning. I really want to play. I wanted an opportunity to compete. Dude, shut up, man. Your quarterback got killed in a game. Hey, it's what it is. It happens. Hey, and by the way, can I tell you something here? I would put this poll. I would put this point on you. Eagle fans, do me a favor. You've won. Let me tell you what you've won. I think you guys are going to like this. I think the Philadelphia Eagles have become the assholes of the NFL. This is a good thing. Hear me out. Well, I think we should have a meeting about this Eagle scrum. (laughs) We should have a meeting because it's unfair. The Eagles scrum, we're going to debate. Okay. The Eagles scrum. We're debating it. Thank God they let it stay. Now this week in Detroit at the owners meetings, we're going to have an emergency third quarterback rule. Oh, 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 because the, the Niners lost their guy in the NFC title game and the Eagles killed their starter and the second guy. Jesus criminy, man. You guys are the bad boys of the NFL. Holy shit. Dude, those are merit badges. I'd be walking around. So you got to try to make rules to stop the shit we're doing in Philly? Dude, like Charlie Sheen would say, that's winning. That's winning, dude. You got every, the scrum's illegal. <laughs> Why? Because you can't do it and you don't have the line they do? Well, okay. Yeah, what? Hey, what do you think? That's Wilt. I mean, they're trying to put, they're trying to put guardrails on what the Eagles' success is doing. You guarantee you this: if that was Dallas, everybody'd be like, "Hey, the Cowboys, way to go!" But it's Philly, the bad boys of the NFL. Can I tell you, man? There's a scene, there's a scene for me now that I think embodies the Philadelphia Eagles. You know that scene in Bronx Tale? Some of you have to watch the movie. The biker dudes walk in. They want a beard. They act like jerks. Sonny goes to the door locks it. And he goes like this. Now you can't leave. (laughs) Hey, now you can't leave. And with all their power drained through. (laughs) It's like this. When you step on the field and you see that old line. And you see that scrum, and you see that shit they do on that side of the ball, and you see how big them dudes are. Hey, man, now you can't leave. <laughs> <laughs> now you can't leave. I mean, hey, I, I can't wait for the Eagles and Niners in week 14. I can't wait for that. Well, now you can't leave. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow, man. Dude, they come up with rules against you guys because you guys are pulling off great things. You're thinking about using your assets on your field. You're thinking about using your roster to the best of your abilities, and it's working. You got everyone thinking about what you're doing. That is so great. It builds an attitude. I don't believe anybody in their right mind would go, well, the Eagles are now turning into a finesse team. I mean, that's not something that I would ever. Kansas City's a finesse team. Shit, in many aspects, I think Pittsburgh has turned into a finesse team. They're trying to get back to their roots with that old line and revamping the old line. But most of the teams in the NFL are finesse teams. Why? Throwing the ball, I think it's a finesse skill. You know how many people can't do? Dude, Baltimore's struggling at trying to do it and keeping their guy upright. Can't have the Philly scrum. I call it the Philly scrum, not the push play. I call it the Philly scrum because if you're making a bitch about there's only one team that runs that thing. I don't see Arizona running it. <laughs> Dude. That's a really great merit badge. That's a super cool merit badge. You got teams and owners around the league bitching about the success and things that the Eagles do inside a game. <laughs> Good for you, man. Good for you. Dude, that's that's worth three points. Walking into a stadium and already you know this. I've never seen a play more success. Dude, that... That scrum play the Eagles run is just about as effective as Jabbar's skyhook. I have never seen an offensive play in, in sports that has been more successful. That's got to be the most successful play that the Eagles ever have run. It's not a deep pass. It's not a run play. It's that scrum play. Dude, you're getting first downs. 49ers emergency quarterback is Kyle Shanahan. I can guarantee you there'd be two tight ends in their weapon. (laughs) 92% of the time, you name me a play, Dank. In NFL history, that works 92% of the time. I can't think of one. (laughs) 92% of the time, you have success on that play. Dude, it's the greatest play the Eagles have ever run in their franchise's history. Freaking unbelievable. Uh, it, it, <laughs> and you, you had guys actually debating. Well, you know, maybe we shouldn't, you know, and uh, yeah, you know, and maybe we shouldn't. And I'm like, dude, come on now. <laughs> yeah. All right. 96%. All right. Cosmo Sills Darnold was unbelievable talent, said Shannon. <laughs> Hey, so look, if you're Brock Purdy, too, or no, not Brock Purdy. If you're Trey Lance, I and I think you guys agree with me with this. So Kyle Shanahan's going, oh my God! Oh my god! I don't know what this means. Can you believe what a great looking quarterback Sam Darnold is? Whoa! <laughs> I've never seen a talent like this. Dude, he's Sam Darnold. He's Sam Darnold. What do you mean you've never seen dude? If you're if you're Trey Lance, you gotta be like this. So they like they like Brock Purdy and Trey and uh Sam Darnold more than they like me. Dude, that guy has no chance of playing. And if you put that guy on the field you better make sure you don't hurt his market value. Because let me put this out there to you. If the 49ers were to trade Trey Lance right now, what would you give up for him? We got Niner people in here. What would you give up for Trey Lance right now? What? Hey, Tone, was he the second or third player taken? I think he was the second Second player taken. Who was the second player taken? I believe third overall. Okay, third overall. Yeah, that's right. The kid Zach Wilson, who I like. Randy Cross said yesterday, who's Zach Wilson? I forgot. I forgot who Zach Wilson. I've already forgotten who that guy is. Okay, what would you give up for Trey Lance right now? What would you give up for Trey Lance? If I was desperate, if I was desperate, no sixth round, maybe a two, maybe a two, not the second pick in the draft, maybe a two. So you've already lost equity off that. And you guys may be right. That may be too high. And they gave up multiple first-rounders to get to three. Richard goes no shot. You may be right. You may be right on that. There's no chance in hell of you ever recouping what you gave up for one play tray. Never. Never unless he wins to the Super Bowl. You will never, and you're going to put that on the field. And if he sucks in the first half of the season, you won't get shit for him. And you would have lost every bit of chance of moving him. Oh, <laughs> dude. If I were them, I would trade him in the offseason, try to get something for him. Because the gamble is this. That guy would have to win you a Super Bowl for him to pay off what you gave up for him. Even if he turns out to be decent, he'll never turn out to be the amount of first rounders you gave up for him and a third pick in the draft. He'll never live up to that. He, He may be decent. Like Jordan Love, he'll never live up to being a first round pick. There's not a chance. Look at Zach Wilson. He'll never live up to even being drafted. Look 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 at Baker Mayfield in Tampa. How many teams is this now? 1 2 This is his third team. He was number 1 overall pick just a few years ago. Where's Josh Rosen today? Where's Josh Rosen? This guys ain't living up to Look at Sam Darnold. What team what is this? His third team, too? Regardless of what happens in camp, the Niners have to play Trey Lance. If he doesn't play or they end up trading him, I don't know how the Niners recover. Yeah, but I'll tell you this if you put bad you put bad play on tape, you'll never you'll never move him. You'll never move him. So maybe to Tone's point, you play him anyway, because you're never gonna get the value anyway. So you might as well play him and just see what what happens. And maybe, you know, he wins some ball games and it, it can go down. I don't know what you do because to me, I'm playing the best guy. And the best guy in the building they have right now is Brock Is Brock Purdy. That's, I want to see him do it more. And I want to see him do it more consistently than just nine ball games. Just trade him to the XFL. Shit, they may have better quarterbacks in the XFL than what they have in San Francisco. Okay. So, I mean, end of the day, right? All right, let's get to this other topic here. I, You know, usually I like to do my two topics in the first hour, man. We get so much stuff that we do. Um, I, 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 you, there's a lot out there right now. When you look at the Eagles' schedule this year, what's the biggest game on the schedule? The week 11 game against Kansas City or the two Cowboy games? What's the biggest games of the year? Tone says both Cowboy matchups. Cowboys, first Cowboy game, than Chiefs. I'm going to tell you why I think the Kansas City Chiefs game is more important. No matter what happens, we have to beat Dallas. But that's just my ego talking. Let's just say Dallas beats you and you do your proverbial split. Is Dallas a threat to you? Maybe a little. But here's here's what happens with Dallas. They beat you, and then they turn around and lose to Tennessee. You lose to them, and you turn around, and you beat the Rams. That's the difference in the Cowboys and the Eagles. The Cowboys, they're not consistent enough. And the Eagles show up to their fist fights every week. You know, in the two years that I've been covering, y'all, I'm going to say this to you. I've never seen a football game. You guys have not shown up, and you were ready to put your Dukes up. I don't know if you watched that Cowboy game against Washington at the end of the year last year. I don't know what the Cowboys are thinking. You had nothing wrapped up, nothing. And you got beat in the face by the Washington Commanders. That team does not show up consistently each and every single week. They just don't. For whatever reason, the players aren't consistent. Players look at their look at their numbers. Ceedee Lamb, he's not consistent like you see Devonte or you see AJ. It's not a consistent organization. They don't do things consistently. Why? Well, because you have one guy wearing too many hats, and you don't entitle and empower people in that organization. Philadelphia does. Where I'm going here, here. This is why I think that week 11 Kansas City game, I think is the biggest game of the year for the Eagles. First, if you beat them, you beat the dude. Then the rest of the season and the playoffs and the NFC, teams are going to look at you different. Holy shit, they beat the defending champs. They got a second round on them, and it's probably going to be a trilogy. Then you get the trilogy in the Super Bowl. Then you fight it out, okay? The thrill in Manila. Then you get to do all that. You even the score. Teams will look at you differently, even more so. See, teams look at you right now, You almost got there. Dude, you know how the difference is when teams look at teams that have been there and done it and won it. And not only that, your organization and your football team will be looked at by the networks and fans around the country in a different light. Beating Mahomes, he's the face of the league. And for Jalen Hurts, this is the biggest game of his career. Beating Dak's important, no doubt, division game, but you guys split usually, okay? And it really never matters what Dallas does in the playoffs because you rarely see them, and they'll get bounced in the first round. There are not factors there for that. Now, if they got to the NFC title game, that's a different story. But Jalen Hurts is 0-2 versus Patrick Mahomes, and he's the face of the league. Jalen Hurts will take all of the naysayers, like myself, everyone else, and he'll be looked at in the same light as Patrick Mahomes. Just a different way of getting the mail delivered if he beats that guy in week 11. The entire country, you talk about flexing games, you'll put Eagle games on, Giant games, uh, the Cowboys second game, all that shit. All those games will be flexed out. You'll be watching Jalen. You're going to be watching a lot of Jalen anyway. Kansas City, it doesn't mean as much as Dallas. And I agree with Tone. you got to win your division. you got to beat your guy. Dallas is the team. All that is true. But we know that every year. And the perception of the Eagles has never changed, no matter if you're 2-0 against them, 0-1 or 1-1 or 0-2. It never changes. Dallas is always looked at in a different light because they play in the light. You beat Kansas City on that net. That'll be is that a Monday night game? That's a Monday night football game, I believe. You beat you beat Patrick Mahomes on Monday night football? At Arrowhead? Hey. Here, let me l- just listen how that sounds. Listen how that sounds. You beat you beat Patrick Mahomes at Arrowhead and Andy Reid on Monday Night Football. I'll tell you what, I wonder what Andy Reid thinks, how important that game is to him, beating the Eagles. You know? Hey, he loves that organization, but everybody likes to stick it to people who can't you. I want to beat them in February says Batman. Hey, Batman, I want to beat them any Sunday that I'm lined up against them. I don't give a shit if it's the Super Bowl, week one, week five, or in a parking lot. I'll play you, if you want, at night at the rec center. I don't give a shit what you want. I'm going to play anytime you want. I embrace that kind of shit. I don't embrace playing soft schedules like the Eagles did a year ago. I don't embrace that. Tell you what, I'm so looking forward to this year because you're playing some ball teams this year with some great quarterbacks. And I cannot wait to see how this lines up. Last year, you played, I would say this, of those 17 games, shit, man. At least 12 of those games were stiff games. They were stiffs, shitty quarterbacks. Now, look, I'll tell you what, what you guys did, Trevor Lawrence, is pretty impressive because I'll tell you what, Lawrence early on in the start of that season, he was Urban Meyer, Trevor Lawrence. And by the end of the year, he turned out to be a top 10 quarterback. So you guys put the wood to him, and he's a good quarterback. That kid's one of the futures of the league. He's a good-looking player, okay? Kid in Pittsburgh, the Kenny Pickett kid? I don't know. Why do I see Kirk Cousins, kind of something like that, or maybe even a Ryan Tannehill? When 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 I see Kenny Pickett, I don't see special. I mean, that guy's not Ben Roethlisberger's second coming. <laughs> he, he that's not Ben Roethlisberger's second coming. Okay, he's a he's a he's a good looking player. I don't know Chad Pennington, something like that. I mean, Chad was a good ball player, but. He's 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 not. Wait a minute, Kenny Pickett is he better than McNabb? No, he won't be better than Donovan. Okay, he won't be better than Donovan. But Kenny Pickett, I don't know. Ryan Tannehill, I don't know if he'll be better than Kirk Cousins. I doubt it. Right? I don't. I don't know. Will he be better than Andy Dalton? Cincinnati, Andy Dalton. You think Kenny Pickett will be better than? Andy Dalton, Cincinnati, when he was winning 11, 12 games, I don't know. I don't see it. I, I just, I mean, I think Pittsburgh, you know, I, again, there's another example of drafting a guy in the draft because he's a quarterback. You take him and he gets blown up and you look at him and you go, he's not really that guy. Cause he isn't that guy. That's what this group was this last year that went in this last April draft. They're good players, man, but they're not what you think they are. What up, brother? Okay, especially in a tough division like that. Yeah, man. I, I, I don't know. I look at him, and I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really see it. So I'm gonna give you the Eagle guys. Oh wait, so that's why I think Kansas City. I think the Kansas City game in Week 11 to me. Um. I think that's a big game. That's probably the biggest game, that second biggest game Jalen Hurts will ever play in. Well, third, because the NFC title game and the Super Bowl are the two biggest games he's played in. That's a fact. This Kansas City game here on Monday night will probably be the third because there's expectations for both teams to get back to the game and play in Vegas in the Super Bowl. I mean... Uh, but, uh, people, I would say that you have to put those two teams right now as the two teams that would be in Super Bowl 59, I would think, are um, the Eagles and, and Kansas City again. So, but that Week 11 game, it means a lot to Jalen. Can Jalen Hurts ever be the face of the league? Um. 12 and 5 maniac. I think somewhere in there. I think this looks like a 12 win team. Somewhere in there. Um Kenny Can Hurts ever be the face of the league? Does the city hurt him? Richard says, yeah, no question. Really? Have you ever had an athlete in Philadelphia sports history that was the face of their sport? Was Iverson? No, because that was the Jordan era. Then Kobe. Iverson was not. Um... Dr. J, 81, 82, that's Magic and Larry. They just came into the league in 80, 81, 82. And Dr. J came over in 78, 77. When did the ABA fold 76, so I think he was in Philly his first year in 77. 77. Dr. J? Probably. Mike Schmidt, was he the face of baseball in the 70s? No, he wasn't. He wasn't the face of baseball. He's the face of Philly baseball. Okay? He was the face of Philly baseball. But in the 70s, Reggie. Um, 80s, you know, 70s, mid 70s to mid 80s. Schmidt, Jim Rice, Rose, Winfield, Gwynn started his career. Then Schmidt was a tremendous home run hitter, but face of baseball, three-time MVP was there a three-time MVP and maybe, maybe Schmidt. Maybe, maybe, maybe Schmidt. Maybe 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 Schmidt. Three-time MVP in that time frame struck out a lot. Um Dodgers, who they have, they had Ronsey and they had Lopes and them dudes and Garvey. Schmidt's a bigger was a bigger ball player than those guys. St. Louis. You had McGee, you had Keith Hernandez. No way. Face of baseball in the 80s was Daryl Strawberry and Dwight Gooden in the National League. Schmidt was a better ball player. I don't know. That's a good one, man. Maybe may, may Schmidt was the face of baseball for that time frame. Fernando? Fernando? what? Well, Jason, here. Here. Philadelphia with hockey, Hextall, was Lindros ever the face? I don't think so. Did they ever, Bobby Clark, I think the team was kind of the face, maybe in the 70s, but then you had the Canadians. You're never going to have a team from Philadelphia, the, t- the sport of the NHL, as the face of the NHL. Um, it was the Canadians. And Guy LaFleur and them dudes. Was, they won five straight cups or four straight cups or some shit. Then you guys ended it. Then they started another one. Then the Islanders came. So, I mean, something was like kind of like that progression. It was a two year span where that team was hated by the league because of the shit you guys were doing. They put so many guardrails in, you were never able to be the same flyers team. Um, Andre Dawson. He was stuck in Montreal for a bit. Then when he got to the Cubs, it kind of expanded his brand when he hit 48 homers. He won the MVP award too, but I think it was more of a spurt deal. And he he was a pretty good ball player, but not like Schmidt. Schmidt was a great Schmidt, – Schmidt was a tremendous baseball player. So, again, to sit there and say somebody from Philadelphia is going to be the face of the, uh, face of the league, he'll be the face of Philly. Maybe now. I think Joel Embiid's star got dented a bit with his playoff run or lack thereof. Um, I I think Bryce Harper's got a great star, but now the team's showing – and I said this earlier, and I know a lot of people got butthurt when I said this. Dude, the Phillies are a one-year wonder. They did something really special last year. They're a one-team wonder. They're not going to do shit this year, especially in a tight division like that. And what's the one thing that Atlanta always has – over the Phillies and the Mets. What's the one thing they have? Pitching. They'll always have it. John Sherholtz made it very clear when they were putting the blueprint down back in the day with Bobby Cox that they don't go after position players. That's why they trade guys like Freeman and them guys. They go after starters and arms. And those are the people that they draft. It's why the Braves are where the Braves are all the time. It's because of starting pitching. See, dude, you can, they trade out pieces like like Templeton or Gary um Pendleton or they'll they'll trade out anybody on that team that's a position player. But one of the things that was always intact was what? Clavin Smoltz and they had them dudes and, and Maddox. Okay. The Phillies don't invest in pitching. And Freeman's a really good ball player and they moved off his ass. They don't care. It's about pitching. That's that's why the Braves are a better organization than the Phillies. Dave Dombrowski knows that. How do you think Dave Dombrowski built the Miami Marlins up? When you, when when you had like Fernandez down there, then they made a trade for um, for Willis in Chicago, and they had all them great arms in their in, in their um, in their minor league system. D- Dave did a great job with. Larry Larry Beinfest and all them guys building that Marlins team because they had a great farm system. Phillies don't have a great farm. Well, it's getting better. It's getting better. Steve Avery was great. He was the first to go, though, all with starting pitching. That's why the Phillies can't compete with the Braves. And They'll have a year like they did a year ago to Phillies, but they'll never compete with the Braves on a day-to-day, year-to-year basis like the way Atlanta does. Atlanta had that down year. What was it, 14, 15? They were going through the transition after getting rid of Smoltz and Glavin and Maddox and them guys. Well, they went through a transition. They got new arms in. They drafted a whole shitload of arms, and now here they are again. That's what they do. That's the organization's benchmark is pitching will always be. John Sherholtz told me this. I don't care who who was the guy that played third base for them forever. Guys from um, Dunedin – not Dunedin, but he's from right around the Orlando area. Who was the kid that they had? He was like the only guy they kept on the baseball team forever. Him and Dale Murphy. There was the one guy. Who's the guy that they had that hit four hundred homers and shit like that? That's the only guy I really ever kept. The rest of those guys were interchangeable parts. Yeah, Chipper Jones he was the only guy they kept. They kept Chipper and traded everyone else. See, you go out and spend $342 million on Bryce Harper. So let's me let me, let do this. Look at all the players that have those $300 million deals right now. Let's take a look at that. Manny Machado, has he won a World Series? No. Has, has Bryce Harper, get this, the Washington Nationals got better trading Bryce Harper away. They got better and won a title without him. I don't know. How's Nolan Arenado doing with his three hundred million dollar deal? Baseball's a funny sport. You spent three hundred million dollars on a pay on a, on a player. <laughs> Kansas City Royals won a won a World Series. Look at the Rays, what they do. The Rays have a sixty eight million dollar payroll, and they're a better team than the Phillies. How's that possible? <laughs> Management. It's what it comes down to. All right. Let's get back to the Eagles here a little bit. I wrote down five players' names. Five players' names that I think are going to have breakout years. Five players that I'm expecting them to up their game. Let's start at five. I got Jordan Malata. It's time. It's time to solidify yourself as a perennial all pro. Let's go kid. We have the talent. They have built you. You have Jeff Stoutland. You're on the best offensive line in the NFL. And you're in a system that's conducive to you getting better. He's a really good ball player. I expect him to be better than Eric Williams. This kid's got Hall of Fame talent. It's time. And some go, "Silzy's still learning the game." I get it. I do. I get it. Who's who's the um who's the tight end that played with Philip Rivers? With the Chargers. Antonio Gates. Antonio Gates had never played organized football. Do you know that? He was a college basketball player. And he showed up at a camp. A a camp that Marty Schottenheimer invited him to. He goes, you ever caught a football? He goes, just fooling around. Throw him some passes. Drew Brees and Philip Rivers are throwing passes to the kid. Jesus. That guy's going to the Hall of Fame. He's going to the Hall of Fame. Why? He played around great players. Okay? He's playing around great players. You got Goddard on your left. You got Dickerson on your right. Dude, let's go. And I, and I say this with respect. He is really a good player, but I think he's got potential. Let me let me make a comparison who I think he can be. I think he could be better than Trey Thomas. He's not going to be better than the other two guys. And I think Trey's a great player. Okay? I do. I have great respect for Trey Thomas. I think Jordan Milata can be better than him. I think that injury in that Jet preseason game, I think that had a lot to do with the way he played, especially early on. So Jordan Malata is one of my five guys that I want to see lift their game up because I think he's got... And by the way, every single one of these guys has the tools or the skill set to make this happen. Kyle goes, Trey Thomas is the enforcer. Kyle, every single time I see Jalen Hurts get hit late or somebody does something stupid to him, who's the first guy that's in their face? Seems to be Jordan Malata, doesn't it? Doesn't it seem to be Jordan Malata? I'll tell you what, Jordan Malata wasn't very happy with that hit in that Jets preseason game, was he? Every time I see somebody getting crazy around him, the first guy I see over there, getting ready to throw hands is Jordan Malata. That's another reason I like him. I think this guy's got a great attitude too. I'll tell you this, man, that nice attitude he has, that singing attitude, I'll make a point to you, man. I think that dude, I think that's one of those guys that's one of them sleeping giant guys. Don't piss him off too bad because he might destroy you. At number four, These are five players I want to see step their game up. Funny, I see somebody say Jordan Davis. I don't know Jordan Davis is going to be able to step his game up. I just need Jordan Davis to be able to play 17 games. I don't think he can step his game up. He's who he is. You guys are expecting him to be Jerome Brown, he's not. He doesn't have that skill set. That's not who he is. If you're expecting 14 TFLs and 13, that will never happen with that player. He is kind of who he is. What I need him to be is in shape. Because they're going to need him. He's a great run stopper, but that's kind of what what it is. You guys are expecting him to be something he's not. He's If you're expecting that, you're going to be very disappointed this year. Okay? Arthur Goes Jordan Davis will make a huge leap. When is he ever? Name me one year in his career he's made a giant leap. In his 5 years of football over the last 5 years, what year did he make a giant leap? What year? What year was that? Please point it out to me. Okay, you you can make all the excuses you want. How about this? I ain't seen it yet, and I don't think I'll ever see it. Okay? I'll tell you what. That age thing, I saw Michael Parsons at 21, and he didn't look like he had a problem. I saw Adrian, that Aiden Hutchinson kid, He didn't look like he had a problem. Shit, I even saw the kid from Purdue in Kansas City. He didn't have a problem. Those guys showed up and played. I don't know, man. How about this? You think Sauce Gardner? How old is he, Yale? He's 21 too, isn't he? Hey, who was taken higher? Was Sauce Gardner? Please tell me Sauce Gardner was drafted higher than than Jordan Davis. Was he? Was Sauce Gardner? he, He had to have been. He had to have been. People do develop differently. What was, what, 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 what pick was sauce Gardner? Please tell me he was a higher. He has to bend defensive play. he, He had to have been Gardner was fourth. Okay. Okay. Davis was 13th. Okay. Thank God. Okay, thank God. Here is the fourth player that Big Sills <clears throat> is looking for a breakout year. I think you're going to be shocked. I got to Kobe Dean. I went back and watched some YouTube on him. I will tell you, here's his pop. Here's here's the. Here's the positives. And I looked at some of the games, the limited action that he had last year, and his college tape that he has at Georgia. He plays like Bob Sanders. That's why he gets hurt. He's the linebacking version of Bob Sanders, he has a physical mentality but not a physical body. It can't last. So, it's not a skill set thing, which is great. Like, Nickobe Dean's failure in the NFL, if there's going to be, will be because he's not built big enough. And he doesn't have the physical size to last 17 ball games. Now, if you're the Eagles How do you get five years out of him? Because right now, I don't see that guy playing more than five years. How can I get more than five out of it? I think the drafting of Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter have a lot to do with all of that as they plug that in. You put him behind those two guys like he played at Georgia, he was pretty effective. He moved them around a lot. He communicated with the both of them. There's a built-in communication between Davis and Carter that goes back to their college days, and they performed really well when they were all on the same page. They really scouted this mentality of wanting to make the triangle work. One of the things that I told you when I was doing that show with Barrett, One of the most important things that you have to have in a defense, okay? One of the most important things you have to have in a defense is your triangle, your two tackles and your middle linebacker, have to be talented players because it's the heart of your defense. Because teams are going to challenge Philadelphia this year, not on the perimeter. Why would I throw against your corners? Why would I do that? If I'm the Kansas City Chiefs, you know how I'm going to beat you? The same way I beat you two years ago. I'm going to run the ball for 200 yards on you. And then I'm going to make high percentage passes in the second half because your linebacking core is not that hot. Very predictable. And that was the problem with Jonathan Gannon. And that's why you're hearing guys now saying this. What? What are they saying now? Hey, we're going to be more versatile and we're going to do more things this year. You became too predictable. Dude, beating the Philadelphia, if you're a high, if you're a really high-end quarterback, no high-end quarterback struggled against Philly. Nobody did. Everyone had high percentage nights. Actually, for two years in a row, they had high percentage ball games. Shit, stupid Andy Dalton had 88% against you. I mean, Gannon's system was so predict- – Seth said it yesterday, the, predict- the predictability of what he was doing. right? You didn't really need to have an offensive game plan. You just needed to challenge certain areas of the team. And how did – Wash? Washington- hey, if you look at those Washington commander numbers and how they beat the Eagles, very pedestrian. They were very pedestrian. Okay? Very pedestrian. And you're you're you you're like, where they won first down. They won first down. Yeah, and Dak destroyed you. So did Andy Dalton. So did Tyler Heineke. I guarantee you, if I line Patrick Mahomes, Jimmy Garoppolo, Derek Carr, two years Jonathan Gannon ran that defense, every single big time quarterback. Okay, the Packers Rodgers didn't have a great game. Everyone else did. Owned you. Owned. Here. gotta do something here I'm sorry I'm Jonathan Gannett, but I gotta sign over owner hang on for a second I'll get into why Dean I gotta sign sorry 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 JM goes Cousins the high-end quarterback here I gotta I gotta um sign over ownership papers of the Philadelphia Eagles defense to Patrick Mahomes (laughs) Patrick Mahomes who else Dak (laughs) Garoppolo Jesus, Derek Carr. <laughs> Derek Carr, I think, went for 90% completion percentage. There's just too many guys. I'm going to have to get into addendum denim to the Eagle defense. Sorry. I- I'm going to have to wait there. So let me continue. Dean, to me, man, up in his game. I don't know if it's about up in his game. I haven't quite seen his game. He's going to be the most, would we not agree? He's the most interesting player in the 2023 Philadelphia Eagles starting lineup. Would you agree? He's the most interesting player. And what I mean by interesting, whatever you want to fill it in with. Not know, unknown. Dean might be the whole key to your defense. I think this is unfair where I'm going here for my third player I think this is unfair but I'm going to put it here my breakout player in 2023 for the Eagles number three I got Nolan Smith here. Um, I I, I'm, I I love this kid. The way Seth was talking yesterday, he made it seem like he thought that the Eagles would use him more situationally, but he loved the idea of what I said to you guys by having those two missiles on the field together, having Reddick and him. Okay. On the field together, and then having Brandy Graham and Sweat set the edge, and then having Fletcher and Jalen Carter in the middle in there. And you got those two missiles coming off the corners. And you have that four three in open space and you just blitz the shit out of Reddick. Can I tell you what I would do also with Redick? I if if I'm Sean DeSai, I move him around more. Like Steelers move TJ Watts around, I would move him around. Have him have him go in the two gap, line up over the two gap, line up over the five gap, move him around. Make sure and when you do that, remember this. Here, let me show you this. So when you move a guy like that around, and this is HR and this is say Josh Sweat, okay. And you have this right here. That's Hassan Redick. He's outside of Josh Sweat. What has to happen when you move this guy around, like we were talking, Seth and I, yesterday, this guy goes from a five technique out wider to a seven or a nine technique. Why? You can't let guys get outside the edge on you. So you got to keep outside perimeter. You move Redick inside, blitz him in here, take him over here, the more you move him, though, like this, you got to drop a safety down. It means your safeties have to be very good. So when you're moving a guy like Reddick around, and this is what they're saying—they're talking about being more versatile. When you're moving a guy like Reddick around, okay, your your free safety has to come down, or has to get length. He's got to be secondary help. And your strong safety has to come to the middle of the field. You don't really have the experience back here to do all this. So it's going to be interesting to see how they use. Because those, hey, what I'm saying to you, you have to see that within split seconds. I could sit here and draw it up on a piece of paper for you. <laughs> it's no problem. But you've got to see that with the disguise coverages and motion. It's not that easy. And your middle linebacker, N'Kobe Dean, he's got to know that. So do you really think that Nicobe Dean has seen enough football that he can move fronts around, slide fronts, spot motion, strong side, weak side? You think he's smart enough to know that? I shouldn't say that. I think he's smart enough, but he hasn't seen it enough. Like, he doesn't have game reps in NFL games identifying that. You know, Jonathan Vilma – Jonathan Vilma told me a great game that they used to play with Manning. Manning liked to get down to the five-second mark. He knew it, so they would never set their front or their backfield until Manning got to five seconds. That's how they beat him in the Super Bowl. Besides that onside kick, every single time Jonathan Vilma got to five seconds, Manning had to set the he had to set the blocking scheme and he had to put him down and set. When he put them down and set, they would go to their formations. You know how skilled and smart you have to be as a linebacker? And I say smart and skilled because you've seen the reps that you have to be and the patience you have to have at middle linebacker when you're somebody like Jonathan Vilma and you see that and you're waiting for Manning. Man, I'll tell you what, assholes pucker on stuff like that. Five seconds, Peyton Manning. If you're wrong, he's going to throw a 25-yard touchdown strike on you. So you have to have the confidence in what you're doing back there. Now you have Marcus Lattimore back there and that helps a lot when you got somebody rolling around like that back there. But you, you've got to be, you think Dean has that kind of NFL knowledge that he's going to be able to set fronts like that against Patrick Mahomes? I don't know. So Nolan Smith to me Look, up in his game, he hasn't even played it down yet in the NFL, so it's probably unfair. But I think he could be a secret weapon this year for the Eagles. I really like him. I do. I like his leadership. I like everything about him. Number two, breakout Eagles. 2023. Hey, Tone, do you think this would be crazy if I said this about DeAndre Swift? Behind that O-line. 1,200 yards. 700 receiving. Man, that's 1,900 total yards. Dude, he's the all-pro back if he does that. Health would be the problem. We talked at the top of the show about it. If he has a breakout year like that, 1,900 yards in total offense, that would be unbelievable. And I totally think he's – hey, I totally think he's got the ability to do this. Jam goes, according to you, he'll get hurt in game three. No, 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 not according to me, according to his history, you mean. No, 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 J.M., according to his history, not me. You you have that wrong. You totally have that wrong. Not me, his history, you mean. I think Swift maxes out at 1,300 yards, eight rushing, and 500 sales malatta parson's and coverage <laughs> okay um that's why i want to see a breakout year be healthy have that breakout year that i think howie thinks your 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 chances are of being that so again this is a this is a i want him to have the breakout year in other words According to some people in here, I want him to have a breakout year. And when someone goes, according to me, no, no, no. According to your history, and I'm talking only about DeAndre Swift right now. According to his history, got to be healthy. And I think if he's healthy, I think he's got the ability to do some really great things. Okay? I really do. I think he's got the ability. Um, here's my last guy. I think Cam Jurgens, Cam Jurgens, to me. Offensive guard. I want to see a breakout year. Look at what he has in front of him. Look what he has to the side of him and look what he has behind him and look what he has in the coaching room. I have never seen a player set up more for success than Cam Jurgens. you got a hall of fame center, a hall of fame, right tackle, a quarterback who was in the conversation for the most valuable player award. And you got the best offensive line coach in the NFL. I don't know, kid, if it ain't you, you're going to be a perennial backup for the rest of your career. He's got to win that job. And he's got to start that job. Do you hear what Jason Kelsey said? Now, was it? do you think this was a shot at Cam Jurgens? You hear what Kelsey said? One of the smartest players I've ever played with was Isaac Sayamalo. Can I tell you why? Can I tell you why Kelsey said that? This is this is this is why Kelsey said that. When you're out there and you're in even OTAs and you notice a guy not getting his head front side, maybe a step late, maybe asking more questions than what you've had the last couple years, with say Amalo to your right. Those are glaring questions. Those are glaring notices. That offensive line worked like the Philharmonic. It's a beautiful thing to watch their offensive line. And when you have one tuba player or one cello player or one violinist that's not in sync, you notice it. And I think that's why Kelsey brought that up. Okay. Hey. I don't care how talented you are. If you don't know what to do, you're asking questions. I'm not saying you shouldn't an OTAs. You should. But what I'm saying to you, you know, you you notice it. The five starters of the Georgia Bulldog defense now in Eagles D were a better defense than yours and Jerome's. Okay, we went to national titles too. Our guys went on to play in the NFL and star in the NFL. Who start from Georgia off those defenses so far? Let me know. <laughs> let me know when you find them all pros. Benny Blades? I think he was a well pro five times. Just let me know. Hey, by the way, tell your boy Jordan Davis to make sure you put the donut down and then see if he could play 50 plays. How you doing? Hour three coming up. Bruce Arians will join us. Way to go, though, JM. You know you get under my skin when you talk Jerome, so it's all good. we have done to talk to Bruce Aarons. We'll get his thoughts. Still a bunch of stuff to hit tune. Power Hour number three. Keep it here on the National Football Show.
0: Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on action news. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hits. And the hits. Go for the stakes. And the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit All right. Did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes. Really. Don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right. Here we go. Let's hear the crowd. <sighs> go to, to Luka. fake Mama go. Mama. She did it.
2: Again.
1: You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. What football show you know what i'm doing right now i'm marveling at my two national title rings (laughs) how how, how, how are you (laughs) you 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 see him back there look pretty good i got my nfl alumni ring there too see they're pretty good it's right next to jerome up there see see Looks pretty good, right? Remember, <laughs> yeah, how you doing? <laughs> uh, pissed? Are you kidding? How do I get pissed when I own two rings? Are you crazy? Yeah, that's right, man. Big Seals is the Pope of sports talk. Remember that. Watch out, JM, before I make you kiss the ring. How you doing? (laughs) Woo, baby. How you doing? You got it. Hey, by the way, Bruce Arians will join us at the bottom of the hour. Yeah, don't mean to hurt you here. By the way, these guys are still doing this shit on my Twitter page about DeAndre Hopkins. Listen to me one more time, and I know some of you, like JM or Eleven or some of you guys, who I love actually, okay? I know some of you need me to speak slowly. The only way the Hopkins deal could happen is If he's cut. And I do believe he will be cut. Okay? Did you get that? Because I know some of you guys in Philly will hear this. You know what they hear? Eagles, D hop (laughs) This this asshole wants us to go and break break the bank. No, it's not what I want (laughs) you to do. D Hop Eagles can't happen, guy. He guys, $20 million on a $30 million cap hit. What are you nuts? This guy's a dumbass. It's not what I said. <laughs> uh, hey, w- hey, maybe what I should do is get on Tone's ass for this because you know Tone could be setting me up here, too. Hey, Celio wants to get D-hop. All right. Let me open up the cage. Go get his ass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Tone's going like this. You know, I think Cilio needs to get a little chunk of that ass bitten into here. And, you know, he's talking too much shit on Jalen. Now I know how Tone gets back at me. The post. <laughs> he's the ghost to the post. <laughs> uh huh. Uh-huh. The pond always needs live bait, so he'll drop one of Big Sills's take in there. Here's the new one. Matariza. <laughs> By the way, I totally agree with that though. Why win you? He's not guilty. Take his ass. Hey, do you see the guys from Crossing Broad now are backtracking? Yeah. Tone. Here, watch this. <laughs> Xander loves this one. Xander, I know you're watching. Ready? Wow. It's not that big a fish, but it's kind of a fish. Whoa! 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 Reel that guy in. Too easy. It's like fly fishing in Philly. When it comes to their media, Woo! you just throw it in the pond and they bite on it. <laughs> I did watch it, Jamison. He's a punter. Who cares? Hey, he's a different, but he, Hey, yell goes, he's a punter who averages 51 yards a punt. That doesn't matter. I would love to have that on my team. It's, hey, especially with the tool you have now on your team, how you doing? Matt Arisa was with the Jets today. I'm, I'd be surprised if he leaves um, the Jets. He, 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 would, he would completely improve that special teams for them. Okay? Don't let Kansas City get D-hop. Good night. Shit, or the Jets. Okay? He's no Jeff Fegels. <laughs> I think he's better than Fegels. Stop doing... What do you, Dave wants that? Yeah. I would sign him. He can make the team better, and he's in the clear. I do, too. I do, too. Dude, if you can clear that guy in Cleveland, you can clear that guy. By the way, speaking of that, I wrote this down, the five most interesting quarterbacks. Speaking of quarterbacks, we're going to have Bruce Arians on here in a couple minutes at the bottom of the hour. I wrote down the five most intriguing interesting quarterbacks for the 2023 season and i am i'm I'm gonna be looking forward to their games this year number five i wrote down to a tug of viola dude the kid can play but how long by the way you know what's on his plate is jalen better than me He's not better than me. I don't know, kid. I think he's pulled ahead of you. You had your option picked up? They just dropped 255 on him. I don't know. You're just talking shit now. Now, I'm talking, like, internally here. Got to be in his mind doing this. Yeah, but I was a starter at Alabama. They gave me the job. (laughs) Okay, well... That's college, kid. Jalen Hurts pulled ahead of you. Do I think you could play? I do. I do think you can. But are you going to be able to build a franchise around Tua Viola? Like, watch this. Think of this for a second. Tua was like, what, the fifth player drafted? He was drafted ahead of Justin Herbert. You think you could build your franchise around Tua Tug of Viola? You think that guy's going to win you one game, or do you think one game is going to take him out for the rest of his career? I don't know. I'm going to be interested in Up I, I Get this, I'm rooting for him. He seems like a good kid. But Haas, Jalen Hurts has pulled ahead of you you are not the second best quarterback ever to come out of Alabama. It actually may be the guy who had to transfer to Kansas City or Oklahoma. I'm rooting for you, dude. Number four, most interesting and intriguing quarterbacks for the 2023 season. Deshaun Watson. How are you going to be able to play in an environment where people think you're a scumbag even your own fan base dude you can have all the foundations and do all the church parties and picnic basket things and turkey giveaways (laughs) people think you're a scumbag And you got to play with that jacket on and in that environment right now until you put some distance on people because right now you're a scumbag to people. And the league knows that. He's the fake, get this, Deshaun Watson's the face of an NFL football team and he's looked at as a scumbag. You've got to put distance in that. How do you put distance in that? Man, you got to win a ton of games. And I don't just mean... 10 and seven. You got to, and the money they gave you on top of that, hoss you got to win big. Like, hey, w- watch this. $230 million guaranteed. $230 million guaranteed. And you go 10 and seven. You think that's worth it? Shit, I could have kept Baker Mayfield for less. It probably went 10 and seven too. I mean, was it worth bribing the guy to come and play in Cleveland at that price tag? I don't know. That's a guy in a situation, he can't just win. That dude's gotta win big. Um, Wilson, I mean, Watson, is he a top a top seven quarterback? I'll say this to you. He hasn't performed that way. But I think he's got the skill set to be a top 7 quarterback. He's a really great player. Dude, you don't get that kind of money guaranteed if people are suspect on your on your ability. It sure's not your character why you got that money. Think about that. Deshaun Watson, here, here's something to think about on the greatness of Deshaun Watson compared to Jalen Hurts. Do you guys agree Jalen Hurts got a lot of that $255 million because of the character and the guy he is? How many people believe that? I do. I'd say the majority of the narrative about him got him that money. Well, you can't put any kind of positive narrative on Watson. They're paying him on pure ability. That shows you his greatness. Because they're not paying him because he's a good dude. They're paying him because he's a talented dude. That's crazy great. That's how I look at that. Now, look again. Are we talking about human of the year? No. We're talking about an NFL quarterback here. Okay? We're talking about an NFL quarterback. We're not talking about humanity and human of the year. Okay. But here's the here's the bottom line with this guy. Son, you got to win a you gotta win a lot of ball games you gotta win a shitload of ball games number three most intriguing quarterbacks i got dak dak prescott okay watch this great dude Has been a solid starting quarter. Has he been better than Tony Romo? Do you think that Dak Prescott's been better than Tony Romo? Had a shitload of turnovers last year. Okay, I mean, you think he's been better than Romo? I don't know. I don't think Tony Romo had... Well, he had Des Bryant. But I don't know. I mean, I look at where he was and where Romo was in his best years. I don't see Dak Prescott better than Tony Romo. Turned the ball over a lot. They're kind of a cheap man's version of Favre. Right? Kind of like Favre with less turnovers. Favre, it's... I don't know, man. It's like I don't really think there's been an upgrade at the quarterback position with Dak Prescott. Just, I don't know. I mean, this is who Dak is. And so I'm not sure getting him another wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins or Brandon Cooks or whomever they may bring in and who they have now, is that really going to improve who he is? I don't know. I think this is a big year for him because at the end of this year, he'll be going into his final year of his contract. Are you going to extend him? I think this year's got a lot to do with that. I got Russell Wilson too. So was that just a stupid year for Russell Wilson? I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. He's had too many great years. Everyone wants to throw dirt on him and bury him now, but I'm I'm not going to. I don't think one year is an indictment of an entire career okay I really don't I, I I just don't and I got Rogers number one here so you know there's certain coaches in the NFL that have pretty much seen it done at Ben there the Buccaneers are going through a transition now you know you know what's great I was talking to Kevin Colbert two days ago, and I was talking to Alfredo Roberts, who's a tight end coach, and uh, Carl Dunlap, who's the D-line coach in Pittsburgh. And I go, Bruce Arians' legacy in Pittsburgh is what? He goes, our entire offense. And I was like, really? He goes, oh, yeah. What Bruce put down in Pittsburgh is one of the reasons why they won so many ball games early on. And now, of course, he's an executive with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the Super Bowl coach joins us now, Bruce Arians. Hey, Coach, how are you?
2: Doing great, sales. How you doing, buddy?
1: I had a chance to talk to Colbert, and I, I mean, you know, he's in a, he's in an advisory role now, and he, he goes, I go, and you know, it's funny, he'll never do interviews during the year because he never wanted to get into the way of the coaches. It's just kind of like a system that they have there in Pittsburgh. They don't want to be uh, say anything that would go against the the, the culture there. And Bruce, is that where you learned a lot of your culture and how you put things down? Is that the way the Rooney's did it? Because to me, I think they're the gold standard of the NFL.
2: Yeah, I think for me, I was very fortunate enough to work with Marty Schottenheimer and Jim Mora. You know, um, really ironclad, lock it down. Uh, And and then to be able to to work for the Rooney family was special Uh, and the Steelers and and see – how a front office and a coaching staff melted together all as one. And it wasn't that way everywhere I was, but the successful places I was, it was, but no, no one near as much as the Steelers. Coach, before we move on to some questions, one of the reasons I brought you on, I wanted to
1: talk to you a little bit about this RPO system that we're starting to see more in the NFL, but obviously you guys are making a transition from Brady to Baker Mayfield. And I'm hearing reports that you guys are pretty impressed with what you're seeing with Baker Mayfield, just expand on that a little bit if you can, and what he's brought, you think, to the Tampa Bay offense. Obviously a completely different mentality in the huddle, and it's a brand-new facelift.
2: Yeah, a little fire. I think we need a little bit of fire on offense. But from, you know, you you got to go back and look at Kyle Trash. Yesterday had a great end of practice, so it's a nice battle. We've got two young guys who I think are extremely talented and and they're doing a great job. Baker has been there and done it, and has I think a little bit of an edge just because of that leadership and having been in a huddle with pro guys a lot. And uh, but the guys really respect Kyle also. But yeah, I, I think it's a, <clears throat> it's an it's an. A, I love the guy. I think he just brings a charisma and a fire to your offense. Coach, a guy like you,
1: and I I I told you this before in the past. I had a chance to uh, always talk with Bill Walsh. And Bill always told me, and we, he, you know, when I first said to him, I go, "Hey, these quarterbacks, man, what a great army." He goes, you're looking at the wrong thing. It's always the feet. It's the technique. It's, you know, the front door, back door, side door. You're always, you're always looking at technique of quarterbacks. When you see somebody like Baker, who's had maybe a little bit of some of the dents in the fender in Cleveland and what in, in Carolina. Do you work with him on technique? Do you give him suggestions? Does the coaching staff go, Hey, this might help you here because a coach like yourself, coach. I mean, if you're a player, you're going to listen to it because you've dealt with some of the best quarterbacks in the NFL.
2: Yeah. I'm not very hands on right now uh, with those guys, but that is is that by
1: design coach.
2: Yes. Yes. I was there every single day last year. And I think it was too much. And, uh, you know, I I want everybody to breathe through their thing. And, uh, you know, let Dave Canales come in and take over the offense and, and do what he wants to do. Um, but, yeah, I think Thad Lewis is a hell of a young quarterback coach, and uh, Dave has been a quarterback coach. So, and, and Baker, he's he's smart. He works on fundamentals nonstop, as do all these guys. Now. I used to call it going to the driving range. Quarterbacks used to go out 20 to 30 minutes early, strictly on fundamentals and on platform, off platform, making every kind of throw. Uh, so, yeah, they can all – I think – Both those guys we have can do it.
1: Coach, I want to ask you now a philosophy question when it comes to playing the quarterback position. And I said this about what Jalen Hurts is doing and what these RPO systems. You said this before too, and Tony Dungy agreed with you, that this RPO is now, it's here to stay, and we're going to see more of these kids coming out of the college ranks. And I said this, it almost makes the offensive coordinator – obsolete in this aspect yes you've got to put a boutique offense to this guy's skill set but coach is it harder to run an rpo than a progression reading offense because you've got to pull the ball out you're reading either the linebacker free safety or what have you you either got to keep it block and release on the tight end drop back keep the ball or run it's not really a design play it's designed decision making by the guy with the ball in his hand. So to me, I mean, the quarterback is making that split decision. He doesn't know if he's keeping it because it's an in read. And what I think that RPO does is instead of being a seven-stop guy coach and you already kind of know where you're going, you're moving your head around, you're setting up the free and strong safeties and you're doing this and you kind of know where to go, is that RPO kind of takes that away. That progression reading. Give me your – am I on track or am I off on this?
2: Yeah, I think you're on a little bit. I mean, <clears throat> to me, it's very much – I was a wishbone quarterback. I never knew who was getting the ball until after the ball was snapped. And the beauty of the wishbone, the pure wishbone, there was a series of audibles after the ball snapped. And I think when you're looking at the RPO, it's very similar to triple option football. It's a series you, of – You know ball- what's
1: funny you say that? when am we'll going stop you, Coach, because I played against a guy by the name of Jamal Holloway when he was at Oklahoma hmm. – and to me, I told Coach Johnson this about three weeks ago, Jalen Hurts looks like a better version of throwing the ball of a Jamal Holloway.
2: Yeah, yeah he is. And, and I think that's what you have seen in some of these guys. Now, not all of them can process the information fast enough to make that read and that accurate throw. Uh, Jalen has proven he can. Um, so I think, yeah, it's here, it's here to stay. It's here to stay. I think defense will catch up with it like it always does because there's nothing new in this game. It's all cyclical. And uh, I think when you think back of Super Bowl 55, the RPO game that Kansas City was running, Todd Bowles had sniffed out. There was nowhere to go with the ball. And uh, so there's ways to take care of it. I think some of it leads to a lot of too high-shell defense. Um, But, again, triple-option football is one of the most beautiful things ever invented. Like
1: the veer. Coach, I mean, especially when you have deficiencies in your offensive line, Devere used to be mm-hmm. one of the better
2: offenses sure. to run. Yeah, I was I was a 205-pound quarterback, and I was bigger than my guard center. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: so, so, so for you, Coach, do you think that, again, just like the Wildcat, that these coordinators are going to figure out these RPOs on the way to stop this thing? Because, I mean, if you were going to stop an RPO, what would be the first thing that you would do um, – to an RPO offense like the Philadelphia Eagles.
2: But first of all, you have to know what their reads are and what their, what their patterns are, what the RPO is. Is it, a, is it a seam? Is it a slant? Is it a hitch outside? Where are they going with the football and why are they going there? And then set up your defense to take away the dive and make him throw it into coverage and then have him pull it down and get sacked, uh, which happened a lot in the Super Bowl. Uh, but I think, yeah, I think <clears throat> there's no doubt it, it's going to be caught up with. And not everyone can do it. Um, and I always say you, you're putting your quarterback in harm's way. All right. When that defense end is crashing down, you don't necessarily you know who, who he's taking. And the more you put your quarterback in harm's way, the more harm's going to come to him. And, and,
1: and, I, and I say this, but, but people don't realize is that when that guy gets rid of that ball, you could still plaster that guy. Oh, yeah. When he's coming down that line of scrimmage. So he's going to take punishment anyway when he's doing that RPO. When he hands it off, you could still smother that guy. And that's what a lot of coordinators today are doing. Coach, would you have a problem coaching that style, or would you rather still be the traditional guy because you believe still to this day, if you're going to win Super Bowls, you got to win from the pocket?
2: Well, I think there's two things. You have to win on third down and two minutes. If you can't win those two things, you're not winning the Super Bowl. Um, you can you can score points and you can you can do certain things, but if you can't win third down in two minutes, that's where seventy-five percent of the games are won in the NFL. So I would have loved to have seen Jalen get that ball back in the Super Bowl with a minute. And if he goes and wins the game, yeah, I'm paying him. Oh no, that's exactly what they did. I still have a little did. doubt. I still have a little doubt about that. You
1: so do you think if they would have got the ball back, you think they would have put that thing in the end zone? I would have loved to have
2: seen it then I definitely would have paid him.
1: <laughs> Coach, so for you, if you're going to stop this RPO, you think it comes down to those two tackles in the middle on the defensive side of the ball that you've got to stymie that run to put these guys because, to me, I said this about an hour ago, if you're going to run that RPO, you got to win first down.
2: Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. And then for me, it's, it's a matter of disguise. You can't show them the same looks over and over. It's got to be. A two high shell that turns into one, or two invert, um, two that turns into three, and, and continually to mess with those RPOs. But again, pressure at that, that read point is the hardest point. You know, if the defensive tackles can blow up the guards and double team. Yeah, you're going to win. But that defensive end is just wreaking havoc on the quarterback in the dive. It, it creates a problem. Coach, a couple last
1: questions for you. Um... Andy Reid, what he's doing in Kansas City. When you were in Pittsburgh and then you went where my friend Chuck Pagano was, he did such a marvelous job with Andrew Luck, then Arizona, and obviously what you did in Tampa Bay. Do you get a little better, Coach, at every stop, no matter if it's a failure or success? Do you you just, again, and you ran, Coach, you ran shit your own way. There was nobody that was going to put down on a game plan or like on a timesheet, but – Bruce Arians was going to do. I mean, did, but did you learn new things at every stop that made you and gave you the opportunity to win that Super Bowl? Again, too, I think everybody thinks it's easy. You got Tom Brady. I'm like, that doesn't necessarily mean you guys are always on the same page. Jimmy had Dan Marino, and those guys went like this a lot, man. Those yeah. guys were button heads all the time. So just give me, expand on that if you can, please. I, I know I
2: was a much better coach when I had Ben Roethlisberger. Andrew Luck, Carson Palmer, Peyton Manning, and, and Tom Brady. I was a hell of a lot better coach. <laughs> but each, and one of those, each one of those guys is so different. And, and you, you have a system that is so broad that you just tailor it around what they do best and what they understand the most. You know, some guys understand the vertical passing game. Some might understand the, the short intermediate passing game. And you just continue to try to grow with them. You know, there was never a better deep ball passer than, than Carson Palmer. I mean, that's the prettiest deep ball I've ever seen. And, and there was never anybody that could throw in a million different ways than Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, he, you know, uh, he was doing it before Mahomes was in the league. And uh, so, yeah, he, those two guys are so special, you know.
1: You know what, though, Coach? Why do I feel, for the first time, I may have got a little bullshit there. Because to me, I'm going to tell you what, I think you would enjoy coaching Kyle Trask more than a guy like Carson Palmer, because you can instill a little more of your wisdom and what you can maybe mold this guy into. And of course I'm kidding coach, but I'm saying maybe, um, I think you'd get more enjoyment out of coaching somebody like Trask.
2: It would have been fun. It really would have been fun with Baker. Also. Uh, I had probably most fun years with Andrew Luck that one year as a rookie watching what he, what he did was a rookie was just absolutely amazing to win seven games in the last two minutes and come from behind. And what Ben did as a rookie in his first few years uh, was just amazing also. So yeah, it, it's a, uh, when you have those guys, you're a hell of a better coach, bro.
1: <laughs> All right, coach. I'm a, here's the last statement. Okay. I, I, for whatever reason, this just popped into my head. The last scene of the Godfather three, when, you know they're saying just when I thought I was out, they're pulling me back in. I don't know, Coach. Man, you look great. You got a suntan. You're out playing golf. You're boozing with your buddies and all. Man, dropping f bombs everywhere. I mean, I don't know, Coach. It seems like you're having too good a time now. You still look like you got a lot of juice, man. You ever, you know, I don't know. You get any calls?
2: No, baby, it's over. <laughs> because of what you just, uh, what you just said, baby. I have way too much fun. <laughs> Bruce, thank you so
1: much for your time, man. It's an honor to be your friend. I really appreciate you always doing this for me. Thank you, Coach. You got a big sales, baby. You got it, man. That's our friend, Bruce Arians. What a great man. What great stories he brings to the table, too. I so enjoy talking with him. And you talk about a guy who could break down an offense and tell you all the things that he's learned with Andrew Luck and all the people that he's been around is really spectacular. I forgot to do the no risk it, no biscuit. Where did that come from? I'm going to text him and find that out. Do me a favor. Please hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. So who am I? You know, I'm just living my dream, man. This is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I've never believed anything could ever be so great. Holy cow. Can you believe it? I'm just living my dream. I have never been happier in my life. Holy cow. Hey, man, I got to tell you, what, what, what guy am I right now in the NFL? that's a quarterback. Holy shit, I can't believe it. I'm. This is the greatest life. I, I got to tell you, this is a dream come true. I can't believe it. I, I mean, I have never in my life ever been happier <laughs> in my life. Dude, Aaron Rodgers, dude, you may be a candidate to be a one-day host for The Jeopardy! show, but as an actor, you might want to Take a few classes. I mean, that is overkill. I mean, this guy is trying to sell me some, like, lemons and calling it a car. Oh, I, oh my God. I, I never in my life ever seen anything so great. Oh, my God. I'm the happiest I've ever. Oh, my, I, I, Jesus Christ, I'm living a dream. Hey, I'm hey man, I'm living a dream. How you doing? This guy's so full of shit. <laughs> I mean it. Man, come on, bro. You don't have to overkill it. You're a Jet. You're not a New York Giant. You're a Jet. Do you know what being a Jet's like? It's like being compared to Temple football. I'm kidding. <laughs> it's like comparing Temple football to Georgia football. Come on. Come on, man. I mean, (laughs) Uh... (laughs) man. Whoa. Hey, this, I can't believe there's actually a pulse in Philly for temple (laughs) foot. Actually, there's some, Oh, I get it. Hey, Sills, we could talk shit on the program, but you can't, you're not there yet. All right. Maybe that's the deal. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay hey i'll use rutgers next <laughs> hey man i'll tell you what i'd like to see i'd like to see rutgers and temple <laughs> play an annual football game what would i call it what would i call it man the turd bowl ah <laughs> hey you see that annual game they play every year the game they play in Piscataway yeah Rutgers Temple whoa (laughs) hey Rutgers Temple yeah like 1918 that thing was a good game you know I mean 1918 1907 (laughs) 1903 (laughs) <laughs> that might have been a good ball game, man. You know, leather helmets and shit. No face masks. You can roll your helmet up and put it in your back pocket. Hey, Sills, you remember that nineteen oh six game? Everyone played against one another. And they then they rolled their helmets up, put it in their back pocket. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pick them- a. <laughs> oh, man. University of Delaware. Oh. Oh, my God. New Brunswick? I thought it was Piscataway. All right. Whatever. Oh, man. (laughs) Seriously, man. The Jets. He plays for the Jets. He plays for the Jets. Do you understand? Holy cow. There's not one redeeming quality about the Jets. That's worth rooting for. Who roots for the Jets? You know who roots for the Jets? Abandoned children. <laughs> 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 oh, hey, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> oh my God. This shows, what do you think about the new rule? Ball goes to the twenty five yard line. Sure. Anything to make the game better? <laughs> oh man. Mets and Jets. Yeah, that's that that is the saying. That is the saying. If you like the Mets, you like the Jets, you like the Nets, and you like the Devils. But I don't like the Devils because Josh Harris owns the Devils now. And so I'm not a fan of Josh Harris. I heard I heard um I, I heard my man talking on sports take today about uh, josh harris you know he kind of cares it's not a big deal but i don't know josh harris to me i don't think you'll ever have to worry about the washington commanders being good because he can't hire people isn't it funny certain people know how to make a ton of money they know how to put great deals together but they don't know how to put the right people in position and can i tell you something sports teams are recession proof you know why everybody wants to buy a sports team including tom brady now the recession-proof. Doesn't matter what pandemic. It doesn't matter what the economy's doing. Everyone loves professional sports. All those franchises have gone up big time. So he's smart. You don't have to be good. You just have to be smart in how you can get the team. And... So when he owns – you don't really have to be smart. They're recession-proof. Honest question, is the sports industry as a whole recession-proof? Um, well, why do these arenas and stadiums keep being built then? And baseball stadiums? Teams moving. And what they do now is – yes, because you know what they do now? Well, if your city is not going to financially support us, we don't give a shit about your loyalty for 50 years, including the Raiders. Think about something. You moved the Raiders out of Oakland. You moved the Chargers out of San Diego. it had been in San Diego for 60 years. You didn't give a shit about that. You could care less. It was about what was going to be the best economical situation for those teams. And by the way, Everyone was always like, if you were in San Diego, I'll never go to a Charger game. Yeah, they used to say that about the uh, about the Jets and the Giants when they moved out of Shea and moved out of Yankee Stadium in the Yale Bowl. Now they all go to the Meadowlands. They all go to 16W. That's the off-ramp. And they all go to MetLife. Generations die. The NFL knows that. They wait for you to die when they move teams. That don't give a shit. Dude, what do you think? Any less giant fans go today than they did back in the 80s? Come on, man. It's stupid shit. They look at their fans like wrestling fans. Okay? Yeah, but you know what, JM? San Diego, their last game that they had at the stadium before they moved, they had 67,000 fans in there, 69,000 fans. Every. It was a very underrated fan base. I covered the team very under, underrated co- uh fan base. They were pretty good. I won't lie, man. Charger fans were pretty cool. And now they're like a they're like a um they're like a man without a country. The only team in the National Football League that doesn't have their own stadium. I mean, how could you not have your own moat and stadium in today's landscape of the NFL? Everybody owns their own stadium. And and look what they do to communities. Look at say look at Philly. Do you know why it was cool? Can I tell you this? You know why your environment at the vet and at the spectrum was better than what it is today in these new facilities? Because those facilities were actually community buildings. In the fall, you had what? You had football. In the spring, you had Phillies. Shit, you could spend your entire year at the vet going to 10 philly games 10 eagle games when you were at the spectrum flyers sixers you guys created those environments in that building because why all the four fan bases were in those buildings now you have separate it's not quite the same You can't tell me Wells Fargo has the same energy that the Spectrum does. It's a better building, of course, but it doesn't. You can't tell me Lincoln Financial has the same energy that the vet did. Come on, man. I've been in that building. And by the way, it's a beautiful building, Lincoln Financial, but that is not Veteran Stadium. Far from it. And by the way, you're right. The link was better. It's a better ballpark. But I don't know. I don't know. There's just something about the vet. It was different. Like you walked in there, you didn't feel. How about this? Is this right to say when you walked in the veteran stadium or you walked into the spectrum, there's a chance you might not walk out? Now you can't leave. Those other places are nice. But when you walked into the spectrum and you walked into the vet, you might not get out of there. Most of your team wins. Just saying. Is it better to see games at Wells Fargo and Lincoln? Yes, I get it. I know. Casey goes, it was a shithole. Yeah, but it was your shithole. So you know what's funny? I love the Orange Bowl. I will not step a foot in that Hard Rock Stadium. That's where my Canes play? Isn't it funny? Since you took the Dolphins and the Canes out of the Orange Bowl and you knocked that thing down to give that jackass that Marlins Stadium down there, that the Dolphins have been to two AFC championship games in like 38 years, and the Canes have not been to a national championship game since they left the Orange Bowl. I mean, you basically took the heart out of both programs. Who would have ever thought in your lifetime right now that you're saying this, the Bengals and the Jags are better than the Dolphins? When I grew up, the Dolphins were like, they were the gold standard, them and the Steelers. And now the Dolphins, the Bengals are better than the Dolphins. Try that one out, (laughs) Sills. You're like, I don't know. Is that right? Yeah. Dude, there's nothing like playing. Nothing like playing at Veteran Stadium. And you're right. Your second base sucked. It was up off the ground. You would kick it, blow your knee out, or twist your ankle. You would fall down. How many times do you see players falling down in the middle of the field? You're like, how did that guy fall down at the vet? He kicked second base because it was raised. It was terrible. (laughs) But I'll tell you what, man. You went in there. Those fans let you have it. My dad had Eagle season tickets, 73-4-5 at the time the Eagles sucked. Mike McCormick, uh, you sat up in the 700 section throwing hot dogs at people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> you were in the 700 section throwing hot dogs at people. This thing sucks. Yeah. Here are some of the games this year. I've circled one, two, three, four, five. I got six games this year. Not not so much Eagle-related. There is a game in here, though, that I think is going to be a pretty big game. I think week one, hey, do you think Lions and Chiefs are a big game on Thursday night? Lions and Chiefs. We're going to know about the Lions right away, aren't we? What if the Lions beat the Chiefs on Thursday night football? Holy shit. That'll put the NFC on their ear. Wow. If I'm the Lions, man, I'm so looking forward to this. Dude, I get a chance to beat the champs on opening night when they hang the banner. Dude, I'll tell you what, best thing for the NFC is if the Lions win because it makes the NFC even more interesting. If that football team wins and beats the Kansas City Chiefs, that would be a good thing. Week two, Jets and Cowboys,
2: Rodgers
1: versus the Cowboys. That'll be a monster television rating game. What a massive TV rating game that's going to be. Huge numbers huge numbers week eight Bengals and Niners could we see that Super Bowl again this year Bengals and Niners you know that would be for the third time if those teams face each other in the Super Bowl Bengals and Niners have faced each other two other times Niners winning both but you could have that actually for a third time the Bengals and the 49ers That's going to be a highly rated ball game. And it's at San Francisco. Week 12. Woo, boy. Bills. At Lincoln Financial. The two young Turks. Jalen Hurts. And Josh Allen. How you doing? Week 12, I think that's going to be an ass-kicking game. And that also is going to be a big-money ball game. Dude, that's great. Hey, Niner, you think one play, Trey? Oh, man. Hey, I'll just tell Niner this. There's one thing I would never want is a North Dakota State quarterback is the face of my franchise. Holy shit. Hey, man, those guys play against a lot of weird dudes. (laughs) I mean, hey, you see Slippery Falls? They're they're homecoming this year. Oh, Slippery Falls. Uh, Yeah. And and, uh, Fort Meade. Fort Meade University. Fantastic guys. Fantastic. Holy cow. Eagle Creek University. That's the big game of the year. <laughs> Eagle Creek University. <laughs> I'm not saying what I was going to say. I, I got to go. Let me go. Week 14. I, see, I just edited myself. Hey, there you go. I'm learning. Bengals and Chiefs at Arrowhead. Ooh, That could be your NFC title, AFC title game again. How you doing? <clears throat> Now is this a game? Week eighteen. Jets and Patriots. The Jets and the Patriots in week eighteen. Eh. Who, who do who do the Eagles play? Eagles Giants. That's a bigger ball game. Eagles Giants is a is a bigger ball. Oh yeah, TBD. It is TBD. that could be the Sunday night game, depending on what the Giants look like this year. That could be, you're right. You're right, Yale. Week 18 is Giants and, um, um, and Eagles, and it is TBD. I saw that on the schedule the other day. Yeah, I saw that on the schedule, so that means they could flex that game to Sunday night, and that could be your Sunday night ball game. Okay, fair enough. That Thursday night schedule... The Eagles have the first Thursday night game on the 14th against the Vikings. Week three, the Giants and Niners. Week four, it's Lions and Packers. Five, it's Bears and Commanders. Six is Broncos Chiefs. Seven is Jags Saints. These are good games. Eight is Bucks and Bills. I don't know about that one. Nine, Titans and Steelers. Ten is Panthers-Bears. Eleven is Bengals-Ravens. That's a good game. Week 12, 11-24, that's uh, Black Friday. Dolphins and Jets. Thirteen is Seahawks-Cowboys will be good. Fourteen, Patriots-Steelers, maybe. Fifteen, Chargers-Raiders. I don't know about the Raiders this year. I think they're going to be terrible. Week 16, Saints and Rams, and then 17 is Jets and Browns. That'll be a good game. That'll be fantastic. By the way, tomorrow, we'll talk a little NBA with our boy Rick Barry. Get his thoughts on what he sees. That was a big game. Hey, good for Jason Tatum last night showing up, right? I think he had to. So that was a pretty good game for him last night. Now it goes back. Hey, by the way. Celtics are favored by eight points as of right now. They're favored by eight points to win that game. Can you imagine? They got to go back to Miami, and if they upset them again and win game six, they go game seven back in Boston. It could be the first team in NBA history to come back from three love. Anyway, so we'll talk to our man then. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate you coming aboard. Thank you again. We'll see you tomorrow, 3 to 6 Eastern. Tone, great stuff. Big Joe, Xander, thank you and we'll catch you on the flip side. Weather forecasting is a team game.
2: We rely on each other every day,
0: updating the models and passing along new critical information. We have a team of five experienced meteorologists and a specialized weather producer, Paul. Say hi, Paul. Sometimes what I see in the model, Cecily, could see something different. That's when we come together as a team to make our most accurate prediction. And all of this backed by more than
2: 100 AccuWeather scientists. It's a team game.
0: And we have the best team in town.
1: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day.